Oh, hey, it's the Robert Scott Bell Show, Monday edition, July the 24th, 2023. Just made it back from Columbus, Ohio, and on each leg of the trip going and coming, I had to sleep in airports. Darn weather. Who's up there messing with harp when I'm flying? I want to know. <laughs> so if I if I fall over, it's Super Donald prop us up. We got a great show lineup. Uh, first time guests coming up, uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman, MD. She's got a new book called Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. I'm very excited to have her on because, you know, we've been covering this insanity and she's got a, a good handle on it. And this book came out through uh, Skyhorse just now, just recently. So that's, that's going to be a great opening hour uh, with her. And hour two, we're scheduled to hear from Ryan Heath, who's got the Gavel Project. He's a health freedom attorney. We'll learn all about that. In the meantime, we'll see the revolving door between um, government regulation, regulatory agencies and the people in them at the highest levels and big pharma. Big surprise. Also, questions of the day on head injuries uh, and how to recover from them and more. So stand by for that and a whole lot more, including a garden update when we come back to get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, one of those days where I probably shouldn't be here, but somehow I'm here anyway, probably because I got out in the garden this morning when I got home from the flight that was supposed to arrive, well, late last night, early in the morning, the wee hours of the morning, but reasonable. But no, that didn't happen. The lightning strikes in Columbus, Ohio, and apparently it's like, how many of you have been lifeguards? I was a lifeguard. Anybody else? You remember um, when you had storms come through in the summer, if you had the outdoor pool lifeguarding experience? It's like, okay, everybody clear the area. Lightning storm in the area. And every time that there'd be another lightning strike, you'd have to wait, what, 10, 15 more minutes. And of course, as a kid, you're like, oh man, we got to wait some more. We didn't care. And apparently a lifeguard runs the airport at Columbus, Ohio. Rather than measuring the distance from the airport, which is fairly easy to do, uh, that the lightning strikes, it's like, oh no, we saw a flash. Uh, and then, no, it's, it's, it's a lifeguard running the Columbus, Ohio airport. That's my only complaint. And it wasn't just me. Even the flight attendants and the pilots of the plane were going, what is this thing? I didn't know that they had this rule because it's not like that in most cities. Anyway, I got back this morning after sleeping a couple hours, maybe uh, in the airport. And uh, the, the garden was great. Super Don, I think we need to dive into the garden real quick just to uh, liven up. Look at those maters. For those of you in the South, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you not, if you're if you're listening on UK Health Radio, are they tomatoes? Uh, but they're maters, and they're beautiful, and my wife loves them. She just eats them right off of that thing. I think we've got some melons growing. They're very tiny right now. I didn't see there's one that's larger. Uh, my wife said I, I didn't see it. I was too bleary-eyed this morning. But I wanted to take some pictures. The bees are doing their thing. We're going to get some big old fruits coming up this summer as it heats up now. Uh, that looks like a, uh, is that a zucchini. Yeah, I think it's a zucchini coming through. That'll, that'll be ripe later today. Uh, ready for that. Some more tomatoes, beautiful orange and yellow, and we got some reds coming up as well. And uh, I can't, I think there's some more little melons there. But uh, we're just uh, headlong into the summer growing season. There it is. It looks tiny now, but it promises to grow as we keep 
feeding it the good things it needs. And we got that good soil from, Oh, look at this super Don. We have a real broccoli head. You know how you and I both last year were like, we can't get real broccoli. I heads? gave up this year. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that again. That well, this is flicka seed soil broccoli. I had so, a broccoli plant that was bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, and the broccoli sucked. It was, well, just, <laughs> I, we did too, but I was just, you know what? It was so sparse. I was just kind of picking yeah. it and eating it. Right. I was it wasn't worth even bringing inside. Now we got a real broccoli head. I'm very happy about this. The heck is going on with that background? That's weird. what. Okay, there what? we go. I got it now. So anyway, okay? yeah. yeah, the melon thing though. Yeah, I got melons. Yay! This is a PG-13 show. I've Don't got. Go there. I've got. I didn't go there. I've got medium-sized melons. <laughs> uh, they are. Yeah, no, I've got about four or five of them where mm-hmm. they're they're pretty pretty decent size. I'm excited because the first time I've I've grown uh, cantaloupes before. Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah, and and these the plants just have gazillions of flowers on them, so the potential's there. Yeah, I, I still remember when I was like dragging you, kicking and screaming into the garden, I into know, the dirt. I and know. now, look at you, every Mr. Day, Farmer. Every day, I got to go out and check on them in the morning, the water yes. them at night. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I haven't named them though, so okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. You don't have to name them. All right. Well, let's. Um, I, it, rather than me whine a bit about not sleeping. I feel a little better already, and I'm very excited about our first hour guest. She's coming up in just a couple of minutes here, and a, and a topic, obviously, that's very, very uh, prescient to what's happening today and helping to break through it. She'll help us do that, uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman, in a moment. But uh, first and foremost, the revolving door uh, between big government regulators and, and big pharma. The, you know, the, the, the rank and file within any of these agencies, FDA, CDC, I mean, I don't believe they're all criminals and evil people. I've never said that. But at the highest levels, it is just a criminal enterprise, uh, one that destroys freedom, destroys even science or scientific integrity, because, as you know, the, the funding of uh, what's called science today is only within a box, a very small box that is, you know, has been prescribed by uh, Fauci for decades as he ran the fiefdom there. And it was a great yes man for that uh, global religion of uh, pharmaceutical pseudoscience. And, you know, Dr. Marsha Engel uh, was talking about this many years ago. We had her on that after being in, you know, she's the, what, New England Journal of Medicine editor. Uh, She was talking about that after years and years of looking at this, she couldn't tell, very difficult to tell what's legitimate in terms of peer-reviewed science anymore. And so there's a lot of Years and decades, in fact, of corruption, as we've talked about it. And also going back to 1910 and the Flexner Report of 1910, how it corrupted the allopathic curricula within medical schools in the early 20th century to wipe out competition to that thought form of patent petrochemical medicine. So homeopathy, naturopathy, herbalism, all these, with if not ancient traditions, hundreds of years old traditions that had uh, preceded the patent petrochemicals by a long shot, uh, became relegated to a status that was sub whatever. And they used terms like quackery, which I believe originated from the use of quicksilver by allopaths, Hahnemann, who is the homeopath, medical allopathic doctor became a homeopath, uh, had said, you know, this mercury stuff is more dangerous than the disease we're treating with it. And so he founded a form of natural or safe medicine that belies the materialistic reductionist viewpoint that everything is about chemistry and the more chemistry can throw at something, the better. And if, and if a remedy can't kill you, it's not real, which is, you know, the argument against homeopathy. <laughs> so only legitimate medicine could kill you. Uh, I'm just like, man, there's some weird stuff that people have bought into. So we, we've been covering this for years. This is my 24th year broadcast healing, and I'm happy to be here talking about this again. But Deborah Burks. What a bonehead. She's transitioning, not in the way from 
male to female. I, I don't even know if you can. Technically, you can't. As we talk about, you add something or lop something off. It doesn't change your gender. It just it's, it's just butchery. But anyway, Burks transitions from a top COVID advisor to big pharma CEO. Didn't see that coming. No, of course not. But every time you see the word transition now, it means something different, doesn't I it? I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and she was COVID advisor under Trump. Now she's moving to a, uh, become CEO of a, a big drug pharmaceutical company. She was White House coronavirus response coordinator and then replaced under Biden. Burke's now heading to a firm known as Armada uh, Pharmaceuticals. Now, she had a long history of the within the criminal enterprise of HIV AIDS uh, promotion. And, uh, you know, I say this because, you know, I've been covering the, the stories that would get us banned long before they were banning shows. You know, this is when, you know, it was controversial to say HIV was not the cause of AIDS, which we know now it was a, it was a complete ruse and a scam. Didn't mean people weren't dying of immune deficiency, but that immune deficiency was caused largely by pharmaceutical interventions and or illicit drug use and other immunosuppressant behaviors, inadvertent, purposeful, et cetera, destroying the immune system of those who were then diagnosed with or without a test. Remember, the AIDS or so-called HIV tests have no standard even today. The interpretation of the results de depends on what country you're in. If you're a physician or scientist, what other test do you give that's subjective, that requires a, a questionnaire to determine if it's a false positive, false negative, real positive, real negative? That's the stuff I've been covering. And now under Fauci, of course, the real Anthony Fauci by Bobby Kennedy revealed a lot of the research that uh, friends of ours have, have had done years before, like uh, Liam Sheff, author of Official Stories. And uh, Celia Farber, who we had on last week, and many others. And so this is the kind of history we have here. That's why we've been able to see through a lot of this stuff. And so it's not surprising that this is going on. In fact, we've been predicting it. We'll see where Walensky ends up from CDC as well. But let's dive headlong into one of the most, ah, oh man, it's just an uncomfortable topic because it was not something we ever really covered. And I transitioning. Who, come, who came up with this idea that people or souls were born into the wrong body? How do you even determine that? Is that, is that by a, a Democratic vote at a hospital? Can we, can we convince this person to go through a, a surgery that will cost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more millions over the life of that patient as they are then on lifelong medications, either to suppress hormones or force hormones to happen synthetically, creating other problems to manage with other drugs? And ultimately resulting in neurological and other degradation disease, including cancers. Is this a, 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 just a, a medicine for, for, for profit, taking advantage of confusion that was induced by some kind of warped psychiatric uh, agenda in schools or elsewhere? Is this WEF stuff? Well, let's find out. Joining us for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show, medical doctor Miriam Grossman. She's got a new book out called Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. And boy, we need all the help we can to get out of this madness. Dr. Grossman, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me. I I'm pleased to have you. I can't, I'm so grateful. And you told me Tony Lyons helped come up with the, the title. That's brilliant. Uh, and Skyhorse is a wonderful public publications group there. So I'm grateful all the way around of your connectivity to all the good people. Yeah, well, so am I. And Tony is great. Uh, so as we were talking beforehand, Tony did come up with the title Lost in Transnation. And I came up with the second part, 
which is a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. And Robert, as you mentioned, it really is madness. We are uh, indoctrinating little kids to think that it's possible to be born in the wrong body. Uh, we are telling little kids in preschool that there's no way to know if someone's a girl or a boy unless you ask them. And of course, there is no scientific or medical basis uh, behind any of this. Uh, science tells us to the contrary of what we're all hearing over and over again, drives me crazy. That phrase, sex assigned at birth, drives me actually crazy because anyone who's taken 10th grade biology knows that sex is established yes. at conception when mm -hmm. the egg meets the sperm and they unite into a cell that is then either male or female that is permanent, that cannot be changed. There aren't 57 different options. There are two options, male or female. So we are in a dire situation in this country. And for the past few years, I have been treating these kids and their parents. And I'm telling you that uh, I've talked to hundreds of parents and they all report to me that they were blindsided by their child's announcement, their boy or girl coming to them and saying, mom, dad, I'm not your son, I'm your daughter. I want you to call me by this new name, new pronouns, take me to a gender clinic. I want hormones to stop my puberty. This is a catastrophe for a family. Where, so, where would, Dr. Grossman, where, where would they learn this? Honestly, I, you know, growing up in America as I have, coming through the public school system as I did, this was never something that was ever discussed. I mean, it, it, just you had boys that maybe have some feminine qualities. You had some girls that were tomboys, but there was never, oh, you must, you must really be a girl and you must really be a boy. That, that was not part of anything. Where did this come from? Well, as I explain in my book, I go through the history of these ideas. Um, Actually, these ideas have been around quite a while and they have been part of sexuality education. I, that's where I discovered these ideas when I was writing a book on sex education called You're Teaching My Child What? <laughs> and I have a chapter there. The book, it was a 2009 book, Robert. So it was wow. a, long, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I did warn parents that sex education is telling kids these wacky, bizarre ideas about being born in the wrong body, about uh, being able to uh, pick whether you're going to be male, female, both, neither. Uh, you know, there, again, there's no medical basis for this. Obviously, we have boys that might be more feminine mm -hmm. and girls that might be more, quote unquote, masculine if we're going to go and endorse those kind of stereotypes, which, you know, you and I grew up at a time when we were trying to destroy those stereotypes. And right. now, unfortunately, kids are being led to believe if they are not stereotypically male and, you know, into sports and football and, you know, if they happen to like uh, uh, design or fashion or, uh, what have you, things that are more, tip, you know, cooking, I don't know. It, it, none of it makes sense. And yet the kids 
I promise you, they believe it. When kids are told by authorities, okay, by their teachers and their sex educators and their guidance counselors, and perhaps by their pediatrician, and they're hearing about it online, Target, Disney, I don't have to tell you, no, Hollywood, no. they believe it. Dr. Grossman, I got, I got to ask you about doctors like yourself calling out people in your own profession, because in, you mentioned the physician community whether they're pediatricians or maybe they're MD psychiatrists like you that are not seeing things clearly, or maybe they're profiting by doing something that's clearly not substantiated in the scientific journals, like even sex assignment at birth concepts. Right. And for those that can't answer these questions, those like, are, is it, are you a boy or a girl? Well, I'm not a biologist. I like, dude, high school before 10th grade, we knew this stuff. So uh, question about are there physicians or communities of physicians going, we have got to stop this because this is destroying whatever shred of credibility we might have had as physicians. Well, there are groups, but as you know, you know how it works. They're canceled. Their, their, their existence is not acknowledged. They are dismissed as being fr on the fringes. So, you know, this is what happens over and over again, you, you know, politically. And I want parents to understand, and this is, this is a part of my book, explaining to parents that when they go to the pediatrician or they go to their family uh, physician, that their doctors are going to be relying on their professional organizations. And the professional organizations, unfortunately, have been hijacked. And so... I want parents to understand that, you know, just as the media is politicized and you're not going to hear the same news items on CNN as you are with, you know, if you go to Fox or, or other, other state, you know, your, your, your uh, network, uh, it's the same thing, unfortunately, with medicine. If you go to the website of the American Academy of Pediatrics, you're going to hear a whole different thing about gender then if you go uh, to, for example, my website, which is miriamgrossmanmd.com, or if you go to the website of an organization called the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine, a wonderful group of over 100 doctors and scientists. Um, but you see, it's all deeply politicized. Now, parents deserve to have all the information they need in order to make informed decisions about their children's medical and mental health care, but they are not getting all that information. And that was a big motiv motivating factor in the book. I am providing parents with everything that they need to know, and I want them to have the information before their family is hit with the nuclear bomb of mom, dad, I'm not your daughter, I'm your son. Mm -hmm. I want you to use this other name and new pronouns. No, the families have to be prepared years before this may happen. And I'm recommending that families read this way, way before anything, there's any hint of any issue, because sometimes these things can come up, often they do, out of the blue, in the most masculine of boys and the most feminine girly girls can sometimes within a few months, and we saw this happen during COVID with mm -hmm. lockdowns when kids were, you know, were, were attached to their social media and YouTube and all the rest of it 24 seven, 
that over the course of a few months, these kids who most of them have underlying issues, they're either on the autism spectrum or they have severe anxiety, depression, they may have a history of trauma, and they latch on to this idea that perhaps all their problems are due to the fact that they're in the wrong body and that they, they therefore must transition as if that's even possible. And once they are in it, it can be really hard to get them out. Dr. Grossman, I, there's a lot of reasons I, I've concluded, I've contributed. I don't know that it's one thing, but certainly as you talk about the programming that occurs, uh, and that occurred in a rapid way in, in, under COVID when people were isolated and their kids were online constantly and all of these things were happening. But even in the school systems when they went back in and prior to that, as you said, you've written a book back in 09 that some of this was already happening. Uh, but then I look at also the physiological issues that are causing aberrant endocrine, uh, let's say, uh, function or, or dysfunction. And this has been going on also for decades in terms of environmental uh, exposure to xenoestrogens or uh, heavy metals even. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't even want to dismiss the, uh, the theoretical here in terms of uh, stem cell lines in terms of vaccination, you know, uh, uh, aborted fetal cell lines, for instance, coming from male or female uh, lines, did, did it affect? No one's ever studied it that I'm aware of. So there's a lot of things that could be contributing physiologically in addition to this mental and emotional and traumatic programming. What are your assessments of some of the things and maybe you've covered it in the, in the new book? Well, I can't comment on that. I, I do not cover that in the book. There okay. were a number of issues. You know, I started off wanting to write a 200 page book because most people can't really deal with more, more than 200 pages. Now it did end up being over 300 pages just because there was so much that I had to cover. I had to, I cover the history so that parents can understand where these ideas come from. I cover all the, the medical parts of this the dangers of blockers, the dangers of estrogen and testosterone. I cover the danger, the controversial nature of even social transition. What so many people have been led to believe is just a sign of respect and a sign of kindness to show a child by using the name and the pronouns that they have chosen. It's really not quite that simple. Okay, so when we do that, we may be locking a kid in to that new identity, which may otherwise have been a temporary identity. So these things are complicated. I talked to parents about schools and, and that some schools are actually more like indoctrination centers. Kid, parents have to be vigilant and they have to know what's going on at the school. I provide information. In fact, I have a uh, appendix written by brilliant attorneys who are experts in parent rights. And they describe there what parents can do, again, beforehand, before this hits your family. You have to put, put the school on notice that your family does not agree with this ideology and you will not tolerate any, you do not want your child being exposed to this ideology in class, by visiting, uh, visiting speakers in sex education, in clubs, anything of the sort. Mm -hmm. You're putting the school on notice that you will not agree to your child's uh, using a new name and pronouns or using the opposite sex bathrooms, anything of the sort. You are letting the school know ahead of time 
It's very important to do that. Uh, I also provide, you see, part of the book involved doing a survey of parents who are dealing with this issue now in their homes. And I asked these parents, what would you say, what would your advice be to younger families who have yet to deal with this issue? So I have the results of this survey, 500 parents in 17 different countries responded to this survey. And I, it's, it's a parent to parent advice mm -hmm. because those parents know best. They've been there and they provide advice about how to parent your child, how to deal with the ideology, how to deal with schools, how to deal with social media, how to get your kids off the internet. I have a lot of information for parents about supervising and limiting their kids' access to the internet. I cannot emphasize enough how important that is. The kids are being drawn, are being groomed by people on the internet, people who are older uh, than your child. And their, uh, their goal is to recruit your child and groom your child so that they accept this idea of being born in the wrong body. Mm. Uh, I, I, Dr. Grossman, I, I think the more we think about this, with rationality, with critical thinking intact, the more bizarre and absurd and downright abusive this is becoming and has become, and what probably was from the beginning. And I, I come back to the, again, the physician community, that there's far too much tolerance for this, that I know you're speaking out, and I know some are, but it's a gross defect within the allopathic community that they would in, engage and and not speak out like you are against this butchery. There's no excuse for taking a child and and altering the physics. It's a mutilation surgery. And again, then putting them on drugs for life that are known to be carcinogenic and on and on it goes. And again, it's a very big profit center here that there is something that's missing in terms of if, if medical ethics is an oxymoron, in this case, it has to be because there isn't any going on here, much less something we would call morality that is you know, more hinting toward a spiritual belief about right and wrong, because there's just nothing right about what they're doing. Now, even as adults, I'm a freedom guy. So if an adult says they want to do this, I still would like to see some level of counseling because I think there's some kind of mental aberration or illness that you'd want to butcher your body in that way. But okay, there's something you could go for an adult to say that, but not kids. There's a, this, this is a, just a fundamental violation of everything we should know the difference between right and wrong. Am I, am I exaggerating here? Well, you're not exaggerating. While there are individuals who have gone through this process of uh, altering their bodies so that they appear as the opposite sex and they're very pleased with the outcome and they feel that it may have saved their lives, we have no research that indicates that they are a majority of people, and we have no way of identifying those people beforehand. But I also want to bring in something else, Robert, and that is that my book, Lost in Translation, is being censored by Barnes & Noble. They, uh, Barnes & Noble never bought any copies from the publisher, uh, and what they're doing now to their customers who are coming in and uh, asking for it, or they're going online to order it, is that they're saying, we are out of stock and we don't know when we're gonna be getting it in. 
Well, the truth is they never ordered it. It's not that they're out of stock. It's that they're refusing to sell it. Would you like so, people to go to BN and complain or would you like them just to buy it elsewhere at this point? Because I'd love for people to get this book and put it on the bestseller list. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how far we're going to get with Barnes & Noble. So I would prefer that they just go to Amazon. But let me also warn people that there are a lot of bogus, uh, there are scams up on Amazon trying to lure buyers away from my book toward fake books. Mm. So there's something like 10 or 12 books up there that are not my book. So in order to be sure that you're getting my book, the best way is to go on my Twitter, which is at Miriam underscore Grossman. And I have a link there to the proper Amazon book or to go to my website, which is miriamgrossmanmd.com. M-I-R-I-A-M-G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N-M-D.com. Oh, there it is. Great. And so that you don't buy the wrong book. People are writing to me, emailing me, saying that they got the book. Um, they, they thought they were getting the book. And when it arrives, it's actually has the correct cover. But it ends up being a book on like some random subject like office management. So I don't want that to happen to people. I want them to order the proper book. And I also want to mention that the preface, the foreword to the book is written by Dr. Jordan Peterson. He wrote a fabulous uh, foreword and I'm, I'm very grateful to Dr. Peterson for taking the time to do that. Beautiful. Well, look, um, we have links directly to your website. We have links directly to the right book, the correct book for those that are at robertscottbell.com today so you don't get sent to the, the wrong thing. And there's, you know, tremendous concerted effort to, uh, to derail anybody that's talking about this. Uh, you know, as I was uh, finding you, I just found you on Twitter as you were telling me your, your handle name. So I sent the link to what we're doing live because we do go live on Twitter or what they now call X. And as I was doing that, I, I got temporarily banned and they wanted to authenticate me like... I don't know what that was weird. That hasn't happened in a while, but we're we, we're not sh shut down, thankfully. But uh, uh, I think there's a lot going on here. There's a, an agenda that's far more nefarious than we can even conceive, even if we are disgusted by this agenda on its surface. As you go deep into the underbelly of it, there's some just sick and twisted people, whether they're in the medical profession or not, that are promoting this agenda. And, you know, they'll call us or you names like transphobic. Uh, as if, you know, the, uh, where did that even come from, that, that concept? So they don't want a discussion about this. They don't want us talking about this. Uh, and we will continue to do so. We've covered a lot of stories recently on this, and it's become more critical by the day. And I would say one of the things I would recommend you do, it's not new here, what I've said, is get your kids out of government indoctrination centers, a.k.a. public schools, if you can, or you're going to have to deprogram them on a daily basis, because you don't know what they're putting into your into their into their heads, their minds. It is just an absolute dangerous cult that they have engaged in. Uh, you know, sucking these kids in that have no defense against it. They're so vulnerable, as you said, to authority figures, to whether they're doctors, whether they're scientists, whether they're teachers or school administrators. They don't have a chance. Well, Robert, you know uh, what I what I'm instructing parents in my book is to actually start when the kids are really young. I mean, they may not even be in school yet, and they can reinforce 
the, uh, their identity as being boys and girls. And they can tell them that from the very first moment that they even came into existence, that they were either a boy or a girl. And that that's wonderful and that there's all kinds of boys and there's different kinds of girls. And if they happen to not be exactly the same kind of girl or boy that they see in their family, in their, you know, their siblings or their neighbors, that's fine. And that they can find their way and be the kind of boy or girl that they want to be. Uh, so if you start talking like that to your kids when they are young, then when they get exposed to the indoctrination, they'll recognize it. They will, they'll see, you know, red flags when they hear the term sex assigned at birth, they're going to say, no, that's not right. My sex was not assigned at birth. My sex was established at, you know, nine months before birth. It has nothing to do with the doctor or the midwife in the delivery room. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You're right. And that is engaging in them before you think they're even intellectually capable of engaging them. Talk them up into something that they'll begin to understand. Example of this for me with my children you know, one of the biggest important things that I learned growing up because I was raised pharmaceutically and medically uh, was we raised our children to eat cleaner foods, organic foods, and it was all we had. And they've not been vaccinated. They never even had an antibiotic, even though they've had infections, because we know how to navigate that realm without having to resort to these toxic petrochemicals, even though I believe there's a place for them if you if you don't know what to do. So in that context, I witnessed them grow up into their own strength and ability, even when my little girl my daughter, when she she's now 18, when she was little, the first thing she learned how to read was the word organic. I'm not kidding. And she would go to her friend's house and her parents would say, hey, you want a snack? And she'd say, is it organic? And they would say, yes. And she said, let me see. And she would read it to make sure. And, and that wasn't me saying to do that. It was just because that's all we did. And so to, to, to apply it in this context, we never thought we might have to do this. It's another part of the engagement at the youngest of ages to raise them up as you would have them live because you live that way. If you live in hypocrisy, the kids will see through it. And this is where people say to me, how do you get your kids to eat the way they eat? I'm like, well, because that's all we ever did. There wasn't a, oh, look at mom and dad sneaking this kind of food they don't want us to have. Whereas what do you think they're going to learn from that? So in this context, engaging on a difficult subject we never thought we would have to engage in is becoming super critical. And I appreciate you being very direct about that and how to do it. Well, the book Lost in Transnation is really bottom line about empowering parents. And I'm telling parents to trust your gut. I'm telling parents that you know your child better than than any therapist or doctor. I don't care how many diplomas they have on the wall. And you know what? I've got lots of diplomas up on my wall, right? But I still say that parents should follow their gut. And, uh, you know, I've had, like I said, hundreds of parents tell me that when they went to the gender clinic or they went to their pediatrician or their, their school guidance counselor and they followed their advice, they regretted it. And they felt that it was the worst decision that they ever made. And so I, I want parents before they're facing this situation, and no family is immune, by the way, I want them to be clear and to, be, to, be, to have an inner certainty about, about all this and to really have the information so that, 
you know, when they discuss it with their children, because it's going to come up, you're going to have uh, another, a classmate, a cousin, a neighbor, something that they see, mm-hmm. you know, on television, online, it's going to come up, right? Yeah. The, the, and, and the parent needs to be 100% certain when they explain to the child that no, it's actually not possible to change your sex. Um, it's, it's a persona. It's a synthetic persona, and that these individuals are unfortunately confused. We have to treat them with respect, but that doesn't mean that they get to compel our speech or make us impose on us their sense of reality. Yeah. And, and the thing is, this is not about hatred. This is not about even intolerance, because I'm very compassionate for folks that are suffering with self-image issues, whether it be a gender-related issue or otherwise, this is not about hating on people. This is about compassionately speaking facts and helping guide them to recognize the consequences of decisions that children are not, they're not able to make. And even many adults have regretted. And, you know, I've had someone on who is, who's gone through the trans surgery and everything, and he's become, or she's become an advocate. I, I don't even remember how to say it now. <laughs> so confusing, but an advocate to say, this is not a good idea. And especially that they're targeting children for this. But as you point out, yes, I will acknowledge that there probably are some adults that have done this and feel good about what they've done, but that's a different uh, discussion when you're an adult of, uh, you know, capacity to make these decisions. But then again, there's also a lot of adults that have made this decision and have ended up more depressed and even suicidal and committed suicide because of the misery and the suffering and the pain and the discomfort of going through such butchery. Well, that's, that's, that's correct. You see, we didn't have until recently, we didn't have this group of young teenagers who suddenly were uh, adopting this new identity. In the past, we dealt with two populations in psychiatry and they were very, very rare individuals. They were the middle-aged heterosexual men who enjoyed cross-dressing and then at some point in their lives decide that they want to live as women. And so they go through sex reassignment. Then we had the very young kids who at the age of two, three or four are coming to their parents and saying, you know, I, I need to be, I feel like I'm not the right sex. I'm not in the, in the right body. That would be like the Jazz Jennings, if you've heard of Jazz Jennings. So, but these individuals were very extremely rare. We're talking about one in tens of thousands of people. So it's only in the past 10 years or so um, that, that this has exploded and that we're now having, you know, uh, we could have a, a high school class where uh, up to 10% might, uh, might call themselves or feel that they are uh, not, not the, the sex that their mm. bodies are declaring. Right. So this is a epidemic, pandemic, a social contagion, meaning that it is spread, a social contagion is spread um, through, through friend groups or online, it is the spread of ideas, beliefs, and feelings. And that's how this thing spreads. If your child has a, a transgender identifying child in his or her class, his risk of also 
uh, identifying in that way is up a huge, huge percentage compared mm-hmm. to if they did not have that child in their class. Yeah. I want to go back to those uh, rare, real young ones. You mentioned two or three years of age. These kids coming in uh, before any of what we call the endocrine shifts that happen in terms of maturation in a physical body from youth uh, through adolescence, through adulthood, they don't have an option if they're making that decision, if they're born into one sexual gender, right, as we talk about that biologically, to have that experience to then, you know, I think that those things can be fleeting and you give these kids an opportunity to make it through, of course, because then the alteration done becomes a lifelong dependence on pharmaceutical interventions that does not bring a long and healthy life. So that's exactly right. The studies that we have on the little kids who have childhood onset gender dysphoria, we have 11 out of 11 studies. And they all show that between 60 to over 90% of these kids get over it. If they are allowed Allowed to, to they have to go through puberty. Puberty in that sense can be a solution to their discomfort. But what we're doing now is that we're preventing that puberty. Exactly. No, look, doctor, I'm so appreciative of your efforts here and the book that you've just written as well as Super Don. Did you find the one that was from 09 that we could show everybody real quickly Um, that goes back? You're you're teaching my child what? Uh, And Dr. Miriam Grossman, MD, you have that at your website as well. And I'm sure that that's probably on Amazon, but not BN. Well, let me just tell you something. That book actually is going to come out uh, in a paperback in, in September. Okay. So uh, uh, I don't think it's available in uh, uh, a, a hardcover anymore, mm-hmm. but there's an audio book and, and there's a paperback coming out. And by the way, I am narrating my book, Lost in Translation. Okay. I'm doing the narration myself. Um, and that's been an incredible, intense experience to be reading my words and imagining people like hearing Hearing those words while they're driving, you know, and making dinner. So that audio version should be out fairly soon. Excellent. Now, do you have any public events? Are you speaking at any events that we can tell everybody about? I, okay. Uh, The answer is yes and no. Mm -hmm. So I am speaking at public events, but I don't think that I can right now announce those. Okay. Um, uh, when when I can announce it, I will. Okay. Um, I I would direct people though to an interview that I did on Jordan Peterson's podcast, uh, which was a really incredible opportunity, and I really thank Dr. Peterson for that. And I I I spoke there mostly about parents because, and there's a chapter about parents as well, Robert, um, the parents go through hell. The parents go through hell. And one reason they go through hell is because my profession, the mental health profession has abandoned them. Mm -hmm. And instead of supporting them, like we would any other group that's suffering, um, we, we, we make them into the bad guys and we say, you know, you have to just get with the program and accept your 
child in their new identity. Such a great disappointment. And I'm sure you are disappointed in those in your profession that have done that. Yes, I'm calling them out. And I think that one day, I hope that day is not far. We will recognize this as a massive medical and psychiatric scandal. And we'll look at it the same way that we look at those prefrontal lobotomies that were performed on 40, 50,000 people. The inventor of those prefrontal lobotomies, which was basically sticking an ice pick into somebody's eye orbit in order to um, sever connections within the brain. This was supposed to help people. Um, The inventors of that won a, a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Well, that's what we're dealing with, a twisted, sick and twisted profession that some people can rise above and beyond, like yourself, Dr. Grossman. I'm very appreciative of your candor, your willingness to speak up and speak out. And uh, you're welcome here anytime if you've got more updates. And I wish you all the success in the world with your new book. Everybody get it. Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. Again, Miriam Grossman, MD. If you're not sure how to spell it, we have it in the show notes today. And it's right. It's correct. We have the link to the book as well. RobertScottBell.com. Dr. Grossman, thanks for being on board today. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, this is the kind of breath of fresh air that you think, why wouldn't all doctors, psychiatrists know this? And yet so many don't. And and so few are speaking out. That's why I'm doubly appreciative of uh, uh, Dr. Grossman and all that she's doing. We were speaking of upcoming events. Yeah, I can get her. I might have to put her name up to speak at the Health Freedom Expo. I, I, what do you think of that? Let me know if you want to hear her speak there. I'll, I'll uh, send a message out on that. Uh, but we have upcoming events. I uh, just finished up. Uh, and, and a shout out to Jocelyn and the family at Whitaker's uh, Natural Market in Belleville, Ohio. We had a great turnout, wonderful uh, lecture. And thanks to Maho, the event we were just at. I was at in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and I spoke mostly on copper uh, and, and the deficiency and what that means to the health food community in the in the Midwest region. And I appreciate the hospitality. I always love coming to that show in Columbus, Ohio. Again, shout out as well to Michelle Cotterman and family, who she's a nurse as well as a health freedom advocate. And she's got a restaurant with her husband, Alex. And we, it's the, what, 34 Centorio, something interesting, uh, back from the address in Mexico. But a wonderful place in the middle of farmland south of Columbus. Uh, we just had a great time and. Of course, uh, Scott Shoemaker, who was on yesterday's broadcast, uh, speaking about how to recover his son uh, from the uh, ravages of iatrogenic neurological injury from injection. You know what I mean? If you say it too directly, you'll get banned or deplatformed even more than we already are. Uh, so upcoming events beyond that, we got the Red Pill Expo is coming up next, August 12th and 13th in Des Moines, Iowa. We have a link directly to get tickets. And I'd love to see you there. It's a small town, Des Moines, relative to a lot of the big cities. And it's a wonderful time to get together with absolutely amazing people that really research, dig into the history, and bring out empowering options for you to to make corrections for yourself and others. Red Pill Expo, we have it. Red Pill University linked up. Then the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Convention, September 2nd through 6th. It's basically Labor Day weekend. Glendale Hilton Hotel, Glendale, L.A., California. I look forward to seeing all my friends and reunioning there. Uh, Frank Cousineau has been on the show, and Bobri Oren is connecting us from the Red Pill Expo to the Cancer Control Society to the Biomed Expo that you see up on the screen right now, September 14th through the 17th in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
And Bob Reorn is amazing with his Folium PX formula, a botanical formula that's a Chernobyl-level antioxidant. And you get what I'm saying. And if you have hit a ceiling in your healing, you want to break through, please consider getting the Folium PX products. Go to foliumpx.com, use the code RSB10, get a 10% discount and get the Folium original product along with Folium Immuno and Folium Relax. And we'll be talking with uh, G. Edward Griffin some more about his uh, the benefits of folium in his life as well, keeping him going well into his well late 80s, early 90s now. It's incredible, uh, that man, G. Edward Griffin. So beyond the uh, Biomed Expo, we've got the uh, 10th anniversary of the Healing Strong group, Susie Griswold and family. Houston is going to host us, and that's going to be on the 29th and 30th of September, Houston, Texas. And I'll be speaking there, doing a breakout session and broadcasting and interviewing. I hope that if you're in Houston or you want to get to it, that'll be a wonderful, wonderful weekend to spend together. If you're a healthcare provider of any kind, from nutritionist to medical doctor and anything in between, in Pittsburgh, PA, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, Nutritional Frontiers is hosting a professional training event. Simultaneous to that, if you're on the west side of the country, you want to come to the Your Health Freedom Symposium, Gallon Symposium, that's put on by Kristen Chevrier. Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey and many others are going to be there for that one, 6th and 7th of October. Then we have the granddaddy of them all, Trinity Health Freedom Expo, October 14th and 15th. If you are a healthcare provider, Trinity graduate student or otherwise, you can join us for the Trinity Live event, 12th and the 13th. And then stay around for the Health Freedom Expo, the 14th, 15th, Tinley Park Convention Center outside of Chicago, far enough that you don't feel like you're in Chicago. And then we've got a big event in uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, with our friends Dr. Jack Wolfson and more. Uh, Judy Mikovitz scheduled, as well as Dr. Uh, Teresa and Stu Warner putting this thing on. And I look forward to seeing you in the desert then. It'll be a little bit cooler by November. It'll be a lot cooler, in fact. And the Autism Health Summit coming up in 2024, our first official uh, event for 2024 on the calendar, February 2nd and 3rd, Groundhog Day 2024, Autism Health Summit, including Dr. Andy Wakefield, Dell Bigtree, James Lyonsweiler, Brian Hooker, and more. I'll be there. Tracy Slepsevich putting it on, Dr. James Neuschwander, and more. It's going to be awesome. So we got a lot of good things coming up, y'all, and thank you for your consideration and being part of any or all of them. And if you can't, just hang out with us here two hours a day, five days a week, and an additional hour on Sundays with our Sunday conversations. As I said, our Sunday conversation I did in Ohio, and it aired yesterday. It was a wonderful conversation with my good friend, Scott Shoemaker. And it's uh, it's kind of going viral, too, his journey to recover his son. And it's an uplifting story. And it shows you what is possible despite the naysayers within the authoritarian medical pharmaceutical community that are the ones that actually cause the problems. We have some, uh, I think, a question of the day, if we can get to here uh, before the top of the hour, and we're joined uh, by our uh, variety on All right, question of the day coming through from Jonna. Jonna, this is a big one. This is serious, Superdon. It's also to you. Hello, Robert and Superdon. I don't know if you recall reading some of my questions on air over the years, but I have been following you for a while. I need guidance. My 17-year-old daughter was hit by a truck, oh, good Lord, while riding her bike. (sighs) She has many injuries to her organs and skeleton, including severe brain injury. The trauma team saved her life. It's truly a miracle she survived this accident. As you often talk about, the Western medical system is excellent at trauma and putting the body back together, but they don't seem to be considering diet, especially for brain injuries. So I'm bringing in organic berries, avocado, homemade bone broth with turmeric, banana, unsweetened cranberry juice to counteract UTI, et cetera. 
I just ordered flaxseed oil from Mike Adams Health Ranger store. I'll begin silica, selenium, magnesium as soon as I can get it here. Do you have any guidance for me? I trust you so much. I've learned so much from you, and I need help now more than ever. Any advice is so much appreciated. The power to heal is Jada's, and I think that's her daughter's name, your friend, Jonna. Now, we don't give advice here, Jonna. You know it's just information and education, but I will be happy to share some things that you didn't add to the list. And we've had even uh, scientists and physicians validate that high-dose fish oil and high-dose CBD combination is hugely important in brain injury recovery. In addition, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, super critical. The sooner you can begin that, the more rapid we've seen recovery from seemingly unrecoverable traumatic brain injuries. In addition to uh, the, the various minerals that you've mentioned, copper plays a very important role as well as brain and nervous system health and homeopathic medicine. The two most important remedies, most people know about Arnica Montana for injuries, but Natrum Sulfuricum, Natsol or Natsulf, the homeopathic remedy most indicated for traumatic brain injuries, concussions, etc. None of these things are contraindicated to anything that's being done either medically, allopathically or holistically or integratively. So high dose fish oil, high dose CBD, hyperbaric oxygen, Arnica, Natsulf, and again, all the minerals that you've mentioned as well. Super Don, do you have something else you want to add to it? I had to look it up, but it was Dr. Michael Lewis is who we had on in the past, who is an expert on rehabilitation with concussions and traumatic brain injury. Your levels he, are coming in really low to me, Super Don. Really? I'm looking at them too. Check, yeah. check, check, check. Hello. I, I'm looking at them. They're going up a little like two notches. Go ahead. Let me see what you're doing. Really? Here. I'm not making this up. I'm not annoying you. Not trying to anyway. All right. Well, that's better now. Whatever you just did, it went up a little higher. Dr. Michael Lewis, remember we had him on? Yes. That was the guy that we interviewed, and he had a tr tremendous story of someone that was not supposed to recover. And brainhealtheducation.org. Okay, Jonna, brainhealtheducation.org. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So check that out, Jonna, and we wish you all the best and send our love and prayers for your daughter. Jada, yes, the power to heal is hers, and your support will make all the difference in the world. And I pray that those doctors in the hospital will not fight you on any of this and will support your efforts to restore uh, the brain function, the nervous system function, in addition to all the other things that occurred. Uh, remember, symphytum is a homeopathic remedy for bone breaks, contusions, but primarily like fractures and things. You can do a poultice over the area if you have access to it. If not, homeopathic symphytum, uh, that's bone set or knit bone, or known as comfrey, uh, is a very important part of the recovery process for bone health. And that could include skull fractures too, uh, symphytum, uh, homeopathic symphytum. So that's a lot to uh, consider. But you asked the question, and I hope this is helpful to you, John. Please follow up. Let us know if there's anything more that we can do. Now, uh, each time about this time, our second hour of our Monday show, we sometimes even remember that we go live on our simulcast sister station that's called Brideon.tv, thanks to Mike Adams and the team at Brideon. And so that's coming up uh, momentarily. And I will tell you, we have a, a first-time guest. We have two first-time guests today, which we had on already. One, hour two, Ryan Heath is scheduled to join us, and he's got something called the Gavel Project. Sounds like a real health freedom guy, a real constitution guy. And I know we'll enjoy talking with him about his journey as well as how he got, you know, how he got to what he does, as well as what he's doing now and how you can tap into it, support it, be part of it. Uh, this is, a, you know, again, part of the Robert Scott Bell show. It's healing on all levels. 
Yes, physical healing. Yes, emotional healing. Yes, mental healing. Yes, uh, etheric or spiritual healing. Yes, economic healing. And yes, even political healing, which some people laugh at. (laughs) But how does this happen? By aligning with principles that work, that have stood the test of time, and that are not exceptions to the rule, but they are the rule. And they apply in all areas of life, not just in one area. And that's the problem what we've faced for so many years. We've been disintegrating life itself and separating and isolating and then conquering it. And that's how people manipulate us through fear, these authoritarians. So we'll overcome that the best way we can in hour two uh, coming up. So three, two, one. And here we go. Welcome, everybody. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hour two is about to commence. Uh, We've just had a great hour talking about, uh, well, a very difficult subject, uh, the the transitioning of male to female, which is not physiologically possible, but it's butchery. We had Dr. Miriam Grossman on talking about her new book, Trans uh, Nation, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. You want to catch that even though you're just tuning in now. Uh, This hour, we're going to be talking about uh, some very powerful things you can do to address your health freedom legally, constitutionally, etc. Ryan Heath is scheduled to join us talking about the gavel project and more robertscottbell.com. All of the updates are there. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can become patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell show. We do AMAs by zoom every month. Ask me anything and more. There's upcoming events, all kinds of exciting things happening here on the United States and world of health talk media. The Robert Scott Bell Show continues now because the power to heal is yours. All right, so far, so good. I'm still, I, I was sitting in the first hour. I, I look, I didn't sleep. I, I flew back last night. I was supposed to get in last Doing night. Good. It must have been that naked gardening you were doing earlier. What are you talking about, naked gardening? No, you no, for people who what? don't know what I'm talking about, you, you messaged me. I can't remember. <laughs> you texted me or something because I was asking how you're holding up. Yeah. And uh, you said you were, what were you doing? You were, I was, I was picking raspberries and eating picking them. Picking right raspberries from my naked is what you said. Well, the raspberries in the were sun. Naked. You were trying to do. You were trying to be like Superman and trying to recharge with the sun. I was, and it might have helped. But yeah, I had my oh, look. I was still wearing shorts. Okay, in my own yard, for goodness' sake. I want to be naked in my yard. There is. A, we what? used to cover it. There was like a a naked gardening day or something like that in England, wasn't it? I think that's right. Yeah, you right? have a good memory Remember? on that. That was we very actually funny. we actually we had back in the day we had a a UK health correspondent. That's right. Uh, that would call in, and she actually participated in in uh, naked gardening day. It's a, it's a UK yes. thing. There was a and there was a pro- protest movement uh, that responded to it. Uh, hide the tallywhacker day. I think that yes. was in Britain. And then you've got those strange people that sun their perineum. <laughs> oh my god! We've covered yes, that before that? too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't tried that. Now, like I said, people that you uh, might think are weird and wacky, man, if they get benefit <laughs> from it, I mean. If I don't have to watch, just, just right? point that perineum somewhere else. Okay? <laughs> I swear, I don't well, want to. You know, see they it. used they used to say where the sun don't shine, but apparently <laughs> they want the sun to shine there. And, and there might be some things I have not investigated. It's true. I know a lot. I don't know everything. And Super Don, as much as you're reluctant to learn about coffee enemas, you figured a way around them by doing the. Dude, I don't need to learn about them. You don't I know need all to? about them. I'm just not going to do it. 
Okay, you're still not going to do Speaking it. Speaking right. of gardening, just real quick yes. here before we move on to mm-hmm. I got this picture. Whoa. This is uh, from Leslie. It Whose looks pickles like, are those? Yeah, Peter Piper stopped by. Nice. And uh, left some it, pickles. See, that's the thing I want. Those obviously they're just, are Actually, are those pickles or are they no, cucumbers? No, they're cucumbers. Cucumbers the, at this point. The thing right. is, when I see a cucumber, I see a pickle because I like pickles. I'm not a big fan of cucumbers. I eat them. You like big pickles eat. and you cannot lie. Right. So the question is, has anybody figured out how to grow pickles instead of cucumbers? I don't, or, hey, can you pickle them on the vine? No. That's what I, okay, I'm just asking questions. And I, I don't I'm know trying the to grow to some right now. My plants have just massive flowers. I mean, just mm-hmm. like uh, tons of flowers, zero cucumbers so far. Yeah, we've had some of that too. And for whatever reason, it's kind of late blooming now. Yeah. Our apricot tree. Oh, good Lord. We've got a thousand, if not 2,000 apricots coming down, trying to keep up with it every day has been a task. It's a beautiful thing. If you like vitamin B17, a.k.a. Laotril, we've got it coming out our ears. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to say anything more, but read uh, the book by G. Edward Griffin, A World Without Cancer. You'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we got that. And uh, let's see, we got upcoming events. Now, I, I, because I haven't slept, I was concerned about how I would do today. A lot of times I'll end up being punchy McStuffins on the air if I don't get sleep, but I think it's been okay so far. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight, my uh, my trainer's band, they've got like the second most popular cover band in the nation, No Limits, is playing. And uh, Rachel invited me to sing again with the band, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing. I'm like, Now, for those of you who don't know what he means by saying again. Again, yeah, I know. Robert, uh, he got called on stage. We have video of this. Yeah, pure uh, patron and, and it's on Patreon. We have it on Patreon. Yeah, that, that would be one of some, one of the things you can see of uh, Robert singing uh, the full song of "Sweet Caroline" by Neil with Diamond. a live band back with me a up live and, band backing him up with a whole deal. And but so, uh, you know, Rachel lives dangerously. She's she's like a kung fu fighter as well. I mean, she 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 kicks butt, and she's like, "You want to do it again?" And I asked my daughter today. I said, "Do you want me to go up on stage again?" She's, "Yeah, you have to." I'm like. Real? I did not expect that. Usually your kids, we go, no, dad, don't. That's embarrassing. So it might happen if I'm still awake by then. I just not promising anything because I could be passed out by then. It's possible. So just, uh, but if you want to see that uh, <laughs> surprise uh, thing that happened uh, last year, it did. Uh, you must become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show and you'll check it out if it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Super Don says it's worth it anyway. All right, well, let's go right into the topic because then we've got uh, Ryan Heath uh, standing by. I want to get to the subject matter that he's got going on with the Gavel Project. Um, This is about the Centers for Disease Creation and Promotion, as I call them. I know they don't call them that, but that's what they are. The new CDC director apparently has a plan. What is the plan? Well, we're going to fix the agency's trust problem. It's a really good plan. It's a really good plan, she said. We shall call it Preparation H. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's how we're going to do it. <laughs> and it's time for a new chapter, she says, at the federal agency, Dr. Mandy Cohen. Yes. Dr. Mandy Cohen. And, well, what does it boil down to? I think we're going to cut right to the chase here. There's a paragraph here that says it all. This is the plan that Dr. Cohen is bringing to fix all that's wrong with the CDC. Mm-hmm. You have it up there? Because I'll read it, unless you no. want it. Well, which paragraph are you going to go with here? We have to make sure. We have to, we have ma- to first make, make sure. sure. Okay. I think that's the money shot. All right. That's that's the one. All right. Yeah. You ready? ready? Yes. Okay. We have to first make sure that we are building trust with the American people. Okay. And how are you going to do that? 
And I know some of that trust was lost in the last few years. Okay, so how are you going to rebuild the trust? Well, I'm here, she said, I'm here to refocus the organization on building that trust. Yeah, how? Well, and I think that trust can have an intentional plan. Okay, so what's the plan? Well, well, if we use transparency and really good execution and deliver what we say we're going to do and you and we do it transparently and we communicate it well, I think we can build trust. That's basically what she said. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that, ay, 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 ay. What? Hello, what? Mandy Cohen, anybody gonna... home? Are you working with the uh, uh, the Biden School of, of Intellect here? Come on, man. <laughs> There's, what are you, well, I don't understand. What did, what did she say there? What, trust. It was a she lot, there trust. was a lot of words there. It was a giant word salad right there. But I think if she says the, the word trust enough, people will automatically just trust them again. But no acknowledgement of the lies they told. The, the outright falsehoods I they shared. I don't understand. They've been doing this for years now where they just, you know, they, they lie to you. They, they're corrupt. They get caught. They get fined. And these big farmer people get on TV and they go, we just don't understand why people don't trust us. Well, <laughs> we don't can't figure it's it out. It's because you're liars. You're, and you're criminals. Hey, you uh, know, I mean, look at what happened in the last three years. How many times did the CDC get caught with their pants down? Right. Uh, but was there any acknowledgement that we deceived you? Well, well we won't well, do that again. And listen, that, that's the thing. <laughs> they, that, that's what has to happen. And, and I've heard other people have said this. First, you've got to acknowledge and admit the fact that you screwed up. And and you were dishonest. Whatever you you don't even have to use the word lie. Mm -hmm. Just say we incorrectly uh, uh, said some things and got some things wrong and made some some mistakes. You know, whatever. However you want to word it, but at least admit that you did something, mm -hmm. right? And then say you're not going to do it anymore. <sighs> well, not, here's not the thing: not this gobbledygook <clears throat> of. In uh, this article at NBC News. They go down to the bottom, toward, toward the bottom, and it says fighting vaccine misinformation. So they still don't get it. Yeah, they're blaming they're blaming everybody but themselves. Exactly. So they're yeah. clearly not really serious about rebuilding or regaining trust that they lost. Oh, let's go after RFK Jr. That's yeah. what we'll do. That'll solve it. He's the reason why. Right. Just, vaccine yeah. misinformation is the real issue. Don't acknowledge that you lied about the vaccine, safety, <laughs> efficacy, and everything. So oh, what look, they look at all do, the photo ops here. This is the Mandy Cohen. Yeah. So, okay, everybody put on your gloves and let's all stand in a circle. All right, you got the camera? All right, take a picture. We're, 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 we're doing the hokey pokey. She looks like a little rat. I'm sorry. I, I got to say it. You got to love that. these photo ops here. I'm not saying it physically. There's an energy about her that oh, I can see. What is she doing is, here? What is this? I think she's uh, putting her arm up the elephant's <laughs> rectum at this point. That's the only thing I can see here. It's like, can we, can okay. we find a vaccine in here anyway. that works? Anyway. Well, she says this, the strategy is to be accurate, be simple, and be repetitive. Well, accuracy is redefined to mean anything we say it is. Hey, and good. if you say it, it's not accurate, we'll call it misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. Okay? They were be very simple. repetitive during the pandemic, sure. weren't they? Sure, be simple. What does that mean? And repetitive, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. So basically, let's do it, but even more intensely. Yeah. And. Basically, we're going to hit you even harder over the head with a science stick. Yeah. Uh, because that's how we're, you are finally going to get it. You're going to mm -hmm. get it, and you're going to trust us again. If you guys haven't seen the documentary film, Utah Safe and Effective, we go all the way through the various conflicts of interest between medicine and state, medicine and media, even medicine and church. That's not changed here. 
Nothing that this woman at CDC is proposing to do is altering anything that they did that caused you to finally lose trust or faith in that organization, which was misplaced to begin with. For decades and decades, we've been speaking out. I've been speaking out about it and others as well. Some of you are just late to the party and you're welcome. I'm not going to accuse you of not knowing something because I didn't know something until I knew something. Question is, what do you do once you know something? Once you can see through their lies and their propaganda machine going, we're going to, we're going to push this word trust. You're going to trust us. Just prompt. We're going to be transparent. Trust. There's TR and transparent and trust. TR, TR, trust, 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 transparency, safe and effective. We're going to do that again and again and again. It's not going to work. She could climb up an elephant's rectum and disappear for all I care. I'm not paying attention to her anymore other than to point out the lies and deceptions that she will continue on because it's institutionalized at the CDC, at the FDA, at every alphabet soup organization that's part of the bureaucratic oligarchy that my friend Jonathan E. Mort will seek to dismantle when he becomes the next U.S. Senator from Virginia and defeats Tim Kaine next year. So if you haven't checked out emord4va.com, check him out. And if you have an interview program, ask him questions about this. He knows more than anybody as an attorney who's defeated the oligarchy, the FDA specifically, eight times in court and found out that they ignore the court orders anyway. So he wants to go into the Senate and make a bigger difference than ever before. And he's endorsed by Ron Paul and, and many others, Barry Goldwater Jr. and, and more. So with that, let's find out about our new guest, our new friend here from the Gavel Project on the Robert Scott Bell Show for the first time. R- welcome Ryan Heath to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Ryan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's good to see you. We, we need to learn a little bit about you and your backstory and how you got here because everything I'm checking out so far looks pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, kind of fell into this, not something I wanted to do. I'm, I'm an attorney from Arizona. That's where I'm licensed. And uh, I was in law school, actually, in 2020. And uh, my, I ended up working for a big firm out of California, medium-sized firm, after law school. And my sister ended up getting threatened with a vaccine mandate from the hospital she was working at at Phoenix Children's. And so I ended up threatening to sue each of the board members personally over and over again until they gave her an exemption. So she was able to get one without asking. And then that gave me the, uh, the confidence to go out on my own and actually start a nonprofit organization. So I liquidated a vehicle, uh, ended up flying around the state of California for a number of months, teaching kids how to disobey their school's COVID-19 mask mandates and setting up lawsuits. And now uh, we're filing those lawsuits. We actually filed one last week against Saddleback Valley Unified School District that uh, stuck a bunch of kids. These are elementary school age kids. They stuck them in cages outside for four weeks because they didn't want to wear masks. They basically got told they couldn't leave. They couldn't get up to do anything but use the bathroom. That was it. So they sat there for four weeks, denied education. They were told they were being punished by their their principal. I mean, this is a a really amazing story. So uh, I'm really excited about this lawsuit. We have a number of others that we filed that are similar and uh, we're raising money. We're a litigation fund. So we we basically raise money to hire attorneys across the country to fight on behalf of kids that have been abused. So uh, you have a substack, the gavelproject.substack.com. Uh, there's also the gavelproject.com. I don't know if they're all uh, interspersed in some way, shape, or form, but I'm looking at you. I'm like, dude, you just became a lawyer, and you're doing amazing things. You're not waiting for seniority here. I love it. 
Thank you. Yeah, I've already sued a judge and I had a lot of success with that. So I'm, I've been been on my way. Um, I have my own firm now, actually, in Phoenix. I hired a number of attorneys last month and uh, we're growing. I've got a number of offices here we need to fill. Uh, about to file another election challenge lawsuit here in Arizona in the coming weeks. And uh, it's really my bread and butter. I kind of fell into that again. Needed to to be able to find a way to sustain these lawsuits that I've been funding. You know, my family's been making a lot of sacrifices personally to be able to do it. And so, uh, I got a call from an attorney that I really respected, uh, someone who does a lot of work in the COVID nineteen uh, area. He's his name is Warner Mendenhall out of Ohio. He actually represents uh, Brooke Jackson in the um, the whistleblower lawsuit down in Texas and a number of, number of other cases across the country. He basically told me, hey, you should get into this. And so I ended up getting hired by True the Vote, uh, representing a state senator here in Arizona. And then uh, I ended up suing Carrie Lake's judge in the, the Supreme Court uh, as a pro se litigant. I was, a, I was a voter that was disenfranchised because they used illegitimate procedures to uh, verify something like, I don't know, 500,000 mail-in ballot affidavits without actually checking the identity of the voters. So uh, that went really well for me. I ended up mm-hmm. getting hired by a, a very wealthy resident from Maricopa County and uh, intervened in the Supreme Court again when her case was there as amicus curiae, meaning I was a friend of the court, basically a third-party perspective that wasn't a party to the lawsuit necessarily. But the court ruled on my brief and actually said, the case back down to the superior court based on the signature verification issue which is one of the things that i'm really focusing on right now so it's still ongoing then it's not a done deal and out huh not at all no we're, we're actually going to be filing a new lawsuit on behalf of disenfranchised voters here in maricopa county in the coming weeks where we're going to be challenging the results of all statewide races from arizona uh, that we're conducting Dude, Ryan, you have to excuse me like i'm seeing you and i'm thinking of doogie hauser jd here i mean you're so young and you're just like kicking butt man and thank you i'm just like so impressed this is very exciting to to connect with you and to see that you know the generation you're a part of at that age i mean you're you're like post-millennial right you're my in my son's uh, age group it's like wow i'm, I'm just thrilled. i'm 30 so i'm, I'm a millennial i'll be 31 okay. here in the coming months i i'm a father though i got okay. i got married really young uh, i met my wife who really is the one who's been putting in a lot more sacrifices than i have to make this thing work dude i and thought you were like 23 and a whiz kid here no no i'm i'm, I'm 30 I'm, I'm losing hair so it's <laughs> okay it's, it's right. coming, in, coming out keep that hat on man look at you looking young <laughs> That's what I do when I put the hat on. Nobody sees any gray. They think, "Wow, you're you're how old?" So it's a it's a good way to do it. But uh, this is really exciting. Really good connection here. And I uh, hope y'all, if you're doing the Substack subscriptions, get on the gavelproject.substack.com. You've written about a lot of different things, a lot of stories mm-hmm. here, some of which we can get to. But it, you know, as we see mainstream media reporting on the Carrie Lake stuff, they say, "Oh, it, it's all again right wing QAnon stuff. Anything they can do to discredit it, and make people not pay attention to the very legitimate." Uh, conflicts at law that are still, uh, uh, you know, in controversy, right? And still the air, the bounce, the ball's bouncing in the air. Most people think it's it's done, and people are tilting at windmills on this thing. No, and and that's the thing is that there are a number of issues that the Supreme Court has actually uh, asked to be briefed, and, and it was. I, I tried intervening uh, again in the Superior Court once the case was sent back down to the Superior Court from the Supreme Court. Ended up getting in a little bit of a trussle with Carrie Lake's attorneys. I, I was pointing out a number of issues that they had in their fire, uh, prior filings. They had just been sanctioned by the Supreme Court for making false statements to the court. Hmm. Uh, I was a bit upset about the number of months that they had wasted basically making frivolous arguments and not really doing what they had been told by the Supreme Court. And so instead of trying to enter. Do you, do you suspect that they were saboteurs within her her uh, team? 
you know, I, I'm not going to say that anyone in particular is a saboteur. I don't have enough knowledge to be able to say that. But I, I don't believe that the, the strategy that they were adopting as far as a legal perspective goes was very wise. Uh, and they continue to make really bad arguments. So we've decided to go on our own and uh, file a new lawsuit because we believe we have a better opportunity to win with people who were disenfranchised based on the Arizona Constitution. Wow, fantastic. Uh, so if, if folks want to support those efforts, is there or do you already have a client officially? Are you doing this on your own again? Yeah, this this lawsuit's actually fully funded. We're, okay. we're offering le- free legal representation to anyone who's interested in applying for, uh, for an attorney. If, if you feel like you were disenfranchised during the last election, the November uh, election in Arizona 2022, uh, please go to heathlaw.com and you can apply for representation there. Uh, but if you want to support my work generally, I, I do. Uh, I run a nonprofit full time as well, and we fund lawsuits all over the, the nation with respect to health freedom. And so, you can go to thegavelproject.com, and you can uh, you can give gifts there. We're we're a 501c3. We're a nonprofit, and uh, we fight all sorts of issues, including you know, anti woke issues. Really, that's our, our primary focus. So, uh, trying to turn little boys into little girls, um, those types of cases. The CRT in schools. We have a case in. Uh, South Orange County right now, we have a trial date set for January 9th uh, on behalf of a young girl who was forced to apologize uh, in front of her friends in the playground because she made a painting that said all lives matter. And, and she was just trying to express her, her belief that all yeah. of her friends have equal value, irrespective of their skin color. And the principal thought that was somehow objectionable and forced her to apologize for it. So uh, we're asking for a huge huge number, a huge amount of money for that girl. We're hope, hoping to uh, succeed in that lawsuit, but it's in the Orange County Federal District Court. And we're, we're very excited for that case. Fantastic. I, I got to connect you if you haven't already with Emord and Associates. They have offices there in the Phoenix uh, area as well. Uh, good people. And as I mentioned, Jonathan's been at this since he was a, a young attorney in the Reagan administration, uh, working with the FTC. And uh, the funny story about that is that uh, when they called him because of a paper that he did writ, wrote about uh, at the time, uh, and they said, "Hey, we 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 read your paper. We'd like you to come work with us in the Reagan administration at the FTC." He said, "No, I can't do that." And and, and they asked him why. He says, "Because I don't believe the FTC should exist." <laughs> and they said, "That's why we want you." Right at the time, of course, um, you know that's the kind of uh, resolute, principled stance and uh, people we need connecting with one another to strengthen our resolve and and to be more efficient and effective. It sounds like again, strategically, you've got some, you've tapped into some things beyond your years in terms of wisdom and experience that you wouldn't normally see. I don't know if you can give me a little insight into where you think that's come from. I mean, because not everybody that graduates and gets a law degree sees things the way you see them. Yeah, I was I was really blessed growing up. Uh, I have pretty severe ADHD. I think that is a blessing. I, I lose my car keys like once a day, but I also come up with ways to sue people that no one else thinks about. So uh, I, I ended up getting a near full ride to, to law school. Uh, I w- went to Regent University School of Law on the East Coast. So I moved across the country to, to do that. And uh, when I was there, I was class president. I was in charge of a number of other organizations. I ended up getting uh, selected as one of 16 students by the um, dean of our school, who was the former chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court, to go and participate in a class that was on constitutional interpretation. And that was taught by Justice Samuel Alito. And so I have a a very deep understanding of of these issues. Uh, I grew up in the principal's office, so I have uh, just a natural tendency to, to question authority. And uh, I'm, I'm using that now in, in a way that I believe God made me, uh, you know, set me up for this position to be able to push back on the nonsense in society. So that's what I'm doing. 
and my, I have a wife that supports me and, and two children that uh, understand what that I, I fight the bad guys. That's what I tell them. Daddy fights the bad guys. So they, they appreciate it. Do you have any upcoming events out in uh, the, the world that you'll be speaking at? You know, I, uh, I just had an event here recently. Uh, both Representative Eli Crane and Andy Biggs were there. We were uh, It was a private screening for The Sound of Freedom. We had about 200 people come out to that. I don't have anything on the books right now. I'm looking at potentially hosting um, a, an event for Robert Kennedy Jr. and uh, some other individuals that uh, are you know, involved in freedom movement. So. Nice. Anything I can do to help in this arena or connect with you there? I know we have an event in the Phoenix Scottsdale area coming up early November as well. Uh, in the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, you can scroll down and you'll see uh, this uh, Wellness Parenting Revolution Summit Master Plan for Raising Healthy Kids and Adults. I think you'll dig it too if you can uh, connect on it. November third. Yeah, I know uh, Jody O'Malley is, is helping to put that on. She's one of my clients as well, so I, I know her. Okay. And, uh, Stand by. We got to take a quick break here on Brideon.tv. I lost track of time on our TV days. We have actually a break that they take, and we continue on the broadcast. And Super Deep, feel free to break in verbally on me because, I, like I said, when I get just lost in the topics, like with uh, what Ryan's bringing, it's easy for me to not look at the clock even though I know it's going. <laughs> and I've got no sense of time, it. so. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We, but we normally don't have the, a hard clock because of our uh, online uh, capacity to not have to honor a, uh, a news break officially. Uh, so it gives us a lot of flexibility in the long form. Uh, when we were solely on radio, we were always clock watching. So it's like you get in and out of that habit, and we're mostly out of that habit. Uh, so good. anyway, but we got a little bit of time, and we'll be back and joined by our TV audience as well. But again, suffice it to say that November 3rd, 4th, and 5th event, something if you're in town and around, love to connect with you there for that at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be around. I live in Phoenix, so I'll be happy to be. I, I may even be there. I don't know if I'll be speaking or, or what, but I know a few of the people that are helping to put it on. Actually, uh, I was saying uh, Jody O'Malley, the Project Veritas whistleblower, is one of my clients. So um, mm. she's helping to put that on. Excellent. That's really great. All right, Super Don, we got a minute left, uh, and then we come back, and uh, we got some more discussion here. Anything you've got going on? I'm just, like I said, just smiling ear to ear. I'm too tired to actually smile, but I am on the inside. Hearing (laughs) Ryan talk about all the things that he's doing, I'm just really loving it. Yeah. No, this is very cool. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's been a blessing. Yeah, so, oh, what else we got here? We got the backstory here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Gavel Project COVID nineteen accountability. What is this ESG thing? I've heard people talk about ESG. Maybe we can get into that coming up here when we come. Yeah, up. we can talk about that. That's um, a great wait. thing to bring up because as much as I've talked about, it, it's not enough. Yeah. So uh, when we come back in twenty seconds, I'm going to ask you about that for the uh, the on TV audience to hear as well. Okay, that'll be great. So on your uh, uh, Gavel project, thegavelproject.substack.com, I see articles about updates, um, uh, various different things, something called Daughters of the West, why sue the judge in the... So there's a lot of detail to the stories you're, you're, you, we don't have time to go into, so I would encourage people to sign up for your Substack as we're joined now back on our TV simulcast. Sorry about the, the haphazard way we broke <laughs> in and out, y'all. That's all right. I don't, think, I don't think it's a hard, hard break. Okay. The, well, the folks over at Brighton uh, accommodate us. Uh, thank you so much, up, so. guys. We appreciate we you. We appreciate you guys. Yeah. So we're talking with Ryan Heath, 
and uh, the the website is all linked up. They're all linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. Super Don brought this up on the break about ESG scores, and I and and I have tried to explain it. Probably not done a great job of it, but these things are basically. Um, if you will, threatening the economics of businesses that work through the banking system, at least partially, that's one of the things that we will reduce your scores, your accessibility to money or loans or other things in banking, et cetera, services, if you do not do certain things. So talk about what ESG scores are and where they're coming from. Yeah. So ESG means environmental, social, and governance. And, and basically it's a, it's a self-regulated system put on by bankers to, to govern the way that organizations can qualify for liquid assets. So let's say, for example, that you want to uh, raise a bunch of money through a, a public, initial public offering as a company, and you want to be able to qualify for uh, you know, the, the market uh, value out there. Let's say you're, you're trying to pitch this to a traditional organization like BlackRock or Vanguard or State Street. One of the things that you're going to have to, to contend with is what's called an ESG score. And so basically, there are these third-party entities, including um, the actual funds that uh, are, are hosting the stock exchanges that give these ratings to companies. And the, you, you qualify uh, based on the way that you internally handle, let's say, things like diversity, inclusion, equity, uh, the, the the social justice warrior, politically correct nature of your organization is how you actually get access to, to uh, funding. And so it's a way for organizations to actually implement a social credit score on the employees of individual companies that are trying to acquire assets to engage in business. And so really, it's very similar to the communist uh, social I was thinking that this is a tool of communist Chinese government, uh, how they restrict access to funds or freedom of of any kind via social credit type scoring, you know, how much you're in line and supporting the mission of the communist uh, party, for instance. And there's nothing about real freedom here in, in, in terms of support of freedom and in, in, ingenuity and entrepreneurship. It'll be based on, you know, hey, do you believe in global warming? Do you believe in transphobic, uh, uh, you know, well, <laughs> how would I say that? The opposite of that, because they think everything that doesn't support butchering children is transphobic and bad as opposed to good. So everything's like Orwellian in terms of upside down, inside out, and that freedom is lost through these ESG scoring te- uh, techniques. Yeah, and it implements, you know, the implementation of ESG at the company level has an impact on individuals like ourselves who are going out and trying to work for these companies. So if you actually step out of line, let's say, and you disagree with the company's stance on transgender issues, you may be fired. You may not be able to actually express your voice and express your opinion because your employer has to meet a certain criteria. If you don't believe, let's say, for for that you you don't want people hired based on the color of their skin and you believe in a merit-based system for hiring. But if you speak up and you actually take a position that's antithetical to the, the company's position, you may lose your job. And so it's a way f- for Wall Street to really control our activities as individual citizens without having you know, the, the power of governance behind it. They don't have a gun pointed at you, but they do have the economic gun pointed at you. Right, right. Well, Super Don, I want to bring you in if there's anything that doesn't make sense that you need more clarity on because it is somewhat confusing and convoluted because it's like it's something we've never had in our lifetime when we talk about businesses and how they operate. When you you think about how you, you have a business plan and all that, now you have to consider do you have a good environmental score, a social score, a governance score, a lot of it relating to climate change issues. 
Uh, you know, do you have enough people that are of various genders, colors, all of that? It's like a complete dis- just disintegration it's of merit because, systems. you know, that's not, not something that the average person knows about. Um, and I, I consider myself the average person. I, I'm, I, you know, let's put this in layman's terms because I'm a layman. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 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 here's the part that's, that's kind of coming out for me. The business has to toe the line on these certain requirements in order to be able to have access to being able to get funds and such whatever like that. So are you, are you telling me that they have to like report like what they're doing? And they, I mean, is like, they're, like this third party entity, are they like constantly checking up on these businesses to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do? Or they, they have like surveys or they have people that show up there to observe what's going on. Is that, is that how they know? I mean, I, I guess the question I have yeah. is how do they know, how, you know, these things? They, they, they have certain criteria that you actually have to hit as an organization. You have to disclose internally what you are doing to like, actually Like every quarter you have to send in a thing and, and all this stuff in order to, that you're, you're complying with their- Yeah, a, a lot of it has to do with the statements that you're putting out as a company on, on your, your website. I mean, it has to do with here are our policies, here's actually what we're doing internally. That's what they're grading and that's what they're going after. So now, they, these they third come party, and check on you. These third party entities, who, who's behind these third party entities? Who's funding these things? Where are they coming from and who are they reporting to? Well, they're, they're self-imposed entities. So th- these are basically groups of bankers that have gotten together that have formed these organizations to go out and do this. So this, this is um, trying to think of the, the different um, the CFA uh, is, a, is a certified financial analyst. There are certain planning organizations and actually organizations of bankers that get together and have these plans and put them out. So that's where, where they come from. Has anybody but, tried to follow the money on these people? Where is yeah, it coming I'm, I'm, from? Are these, are these like Soros-funded uh, groups of bankers or something? Or do we know at this point? You know, I haven't gotten that deep down the rabbit hole on who is okay. actually funding this, but I know the impact and I know what actually – I mean, my, my wife is – dealing with it. She works for a huge company and she's having to, to go through their DEI and all this nonsensical training and it impacts people on a, on a daily basis. Uh, what, what I'm more interested in though is when it comes to banking is talking about how bankers have actually captured institutions like colleges across the country. And that's one of the things that I think people really don't understand. Uh, so have you all been digging at all into the university endowment funds and how they relate to Wall Street before you had conversations about that issue? Not specifically, no. but uh, I'm aware okay. of going back into the time of the divesting uh, movements uh, in South Africa, if you remember that. Well, it was a long time ago, but in the 90s in particular, that became a, the apartheid thing. Divest all of the, you know, these universities had big money invested in South Africa, and they, they, they found out it was appalling. And so there was a movement afoot to get them to divest in terms of endowments and things like that. So there's a history of uh, how it's involved in politics and economics and the crossover into, uh, you know, how those things are controlled and manipulated, either through public pressure or through other uh, official means. Maybe there's something that's changed since that time. Yeah. So the first thing that I did when I started the Gavel Project is I was looking at suing the University of Virginia because they had disenrolled 240 some odd students a week before school started because of their, their COVID-19 you know, unvaccinated status. And I started digging into their financials. And I, I noticed that their endowment fund, which is a nonprofit organization that had been set up by the institution. So the state school sets up this subsidiary organization that's not necessarily a part of the same institution. And it's called the University of Virginia Investment Management Company or UVIMCO for short. 
And this organization it has got a bunch of people from Wall Street sitting on the board, including from organizations like BlackRock, Deutsche Bank, Bain Capital, like the worst of the worst guys from Wall Street are managing this endowment fund. And this is actually a standard practice at all universities across the nation. You have uh, basically state entities that set up subsidiary nonprofits that they have managed by Wall Street bankers. And at the same time, they have university executive level officials sitting on the boards of these organizations. And so what was really interesting about COVID-19 is you saw that from 2019, and this is the fiscal year, June 2019 to June 2020, the University of Virginia Investment Management Company had an average rate of return per the market. It was something like 3% across the board. That was the ROI. The following year, they had a 49% ROI. They went from $9.9 billion to $14.5 billion in the matter of a year. And what's, what's curious about this is they don't disclose where the money they're actually, uh, where the money's going. They don't have to disclose publicly where they're investing these billions of state dollars. And they could be self-dealing. They actually could be giving it to, to their own firms. There's, no, there's nothing to stop them from doing so. And this is a pervasive problem. It actually happened at all Ivy League schools in the same time frame. Every single mm -hmm. Ivy League school after a lackluster year on the market had multi-billion dollar returns on their investment. And pretty much across the nation, there was a similar pattern. And what's what's curious about that is that these Wall Street bankers who are on the boards of these nonprofit entities have a fiduciary duty to grow the, the principal, the money that's been invested, to actually grow it as much as possible. And so do the university executives. And so what happened is you have university executives who happen to employ all of the nation's public health experts sitting on the boards of these nonprofit institutions with these Wall Street bankers, and they both have fiduciary duties to make sure that their investments play out as much as possible. And so they actually engaged in large-scale market manipulation. No one's talking about this. They told their employees they needed to basically stoke the COVID-19 you know, fear as much as possible so that their investments could pay out. And that's actually what happened. And people still are not talking about this. I wrote about it very early on. It's on the Substack there, thegavelproject.substack.com. Uh, I'm a recent college graduate. I understand how useless the degree, actually, the pay piece of paper you get is when you, when you walk out of these universities, especially for so many students. Mm -hmm. But the, the real scam here is the fact that they're leveraging their control over the public health institutions to make sure that they're asked, their, their investments are paying out. And that's what happened with COVID-19 universities. <clears throat> That's some big numbers there. Yeah. That's a lot of money that's a lot uh, of money. Being, being shifted around. Do you, does it concern you that if you're going to go up against something that that's that big, that you may end up uh, getting some, some pushback on that? You know, I, I never ended up filing the lawsuit. I couldn't find people that were willing to do it. I couldn't find the funding for it. I ended up, you know, focusing on kids. But this is one of the stories I think that really needs to be told uh, and investigated further. This mm -hmm. all has the like the makings of like a thriller like movie or a, or a novel. Or oh, absolutely, right? you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you you go back to international banking cartels, and it's gone for centuries, right? And this is how it's playing out in a contemporary way uh, by globalist, uh, Marxist, communists, if you will, that want world domination. And how they do it through banking. And remember, yeah. all wars are bankers' wars, right? The war on freedom, the war on capitalism free market capitalism. I mean, we've already destroyed that in our own countries uh, because now we have crony capitalism. We have uh, corporate welfare and all of this, you know, circles around, circles around, circles around and keeps innovators and entrepreneurs out of it that believe in freedom. 
And that's another thing about the ESG. It will push people out of the access to the monetary system that do not have a collectivist Marxist woke agenda. Uh, so it really is controlling where it goes. That's why we need a separation of the monopoly of money as well, you know, where we decentralize money and allow gold and silver to come back everywhere, as well as various cryptos, et cetera. And, and I think Bobby Kennedy has spoke to this as well. He's spoken out in defense of crypto, as, as has Jonathan E. Mord as well, to recognize the danger of having a monopoly system, a central banking system uh, that would then go digital and eliminate all other competition to digital type currencies. Uh, would be the death knell for privacy and whatever freedom we have left or we think we have left. Yeah, that's true. And um, it really is the most important thing we need to push back on right now. And so Bitcoin, if you can get it, I mean, when the Canadian truckers got their, their bank accounts seized, that was really the only asset they were able to trade in. So it's so important that everyone di diversifies and actually invests in, in these cryptocurrencies, the ones that make sense. I recommend Bitcoin. It's one of the most stable ones. And it seems to be, you know, the public ledger doesn't lie. You can see where the money goes every time. Mm -hmm. Well, Ryan, dude, I'm I'm so I'm stoked to connect with you, really. And Thank I you. look forward to meeting you in November, if not before, at any other events uh, there in the Phoenix area. And if you have any other breaking news, you can always reach out to us. We'll help get it out to the world as well. And uh, just again, I love what you're doing. Make make me smile again. I'm super tired because I didn't sleep except a little bit in the airport, which wasn't fun. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but on the inside, very happy. That's perfect. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Super Don. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Ryan, thanks to connect. Uh, thanks for the connection. Uh, Ryan Heath, again, links up in the show notes, the gavel project.substack.com and the gavel project.com. Super D you a little better verse. Do you feel, uh, in, in, if the gavel goes down, you know, there? look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's mm -hmm. like so much of that stuff is just like, you know, it, it, I, I try. Mm -hmm. I try. I don't have a brain for that kind of stuff. Um, you feel like it's over your but head? It's it's above my pay grade for okay. sure. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I get it that the the, the corruption is real, and it, it's 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 hiding in places. It's hiding in plain sight. Yes, uh, because people like me don't get it. Uh, and, but at the same time, it's also in places where you just you know the average person isn't going to think that it's there. And so to hear him explain it, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow, that would be like a great movie with like uh, Mel Gibson, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, you know, or, you know, right. I mean, it's just like, wow, oh, yeah, you know, no, no, this is John Grisham intrigue type stuff. Yeah, but isn't it interesting yeah. though that he, you know, that he he got it, he mm -hmm. understood what was going on, yeah, uh, and he went out there to try and find people that would back, yeah. The whole situation and heard crickets. That's a beast um, too big for most people to take head on. And and that's why. And I think the people that do get it are just like, yeah, no, I I don't I don't I don't yeah I don't want to talk to you. Decentralized, decentralized, decentralized. I can only imagine yeah. if you got in there and tried to throw a monkey wrench in billions of dollars going on between bankers. Oh yeah, and, no, they, they it, don't. It, they don't value your life. You would one disappear. More. Yeah. yeah. You know, you would. You would. Uh, you know, your your brake line, your brakes would go out on your car. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. When you're talking billions, yeah. What's yeah. one life to them? Absolutely. They don't value life the way most of us do here. And that's that therefore it makes it difficult for some of us to conceive that this other would other people would do it because we wouldn't. But there are plenty of people that do not value life the way you value life. So I want to say hello to the folks that are watching us over on Rumble right now, in addition to Brighton. What's up, Rumbles? Rumbles. We've the got Rumbles. a motion. What do you got? Miss Chiff? 
manager, Miss mm-hmm. Chiff, C H I F F manager. You'll have to explain what that what, what's behind that name. I thought it was Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just I just glanced over it and I'm like, no, Miss Chiff manager has an interesting uh, comment. Okay, because uh, I think we were talking. I don't know what we we were talking about emord or whatever mm-hmm. um and miss chief manager says please stop pushing the propaganda mm-hmm. that government or anyone in government can do anything except evil what do you wow. what do you say to that well i just say that uh, you're not giving uh, uh enough credit to the human spirit and the capacity of the spirit of god and creator to work through individuals in any given area and this is not me being delusional about uh, and I've said this many times, should Jonathan E. Mord become the next U.S. Senator from Virginia, that all is is one. Any more than I said when Ron Paul was running for president, the number of times that he did, that if he were president, everything would be one and we don't have to do anything. The reality is there are people of integrity that do exist on this planet, and they do exist in various fields and endeavors, some even in government, very few, granted, because most that are drawn into government are drawn in for nefarious reasons. They want power. Uh, a man like, as I can speak to specifically Jonathan Emore, because I've known him for 25 years, is not interested in power. He's interested in, in dismantling that power. See, and this is not somebody that you're speaking of that you've read about. Or right. This is, like, not this is somebody like you know personally. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in that context, it doesn't mean that the whole thing gets dismantled if the good guy gets in. If Bobby Kennedy becomes president, for instance, is all. No, there's so many layers and levels to it. I'm not naive about that. But I do acknowledge that people may follow their bliss into areas that you or I might not want to go to. I don't want to be in uh, voted into any field or endeavor in government. I'm not interested. I'm happy to talk about it and how it impacts our life and to encourage decentralization. Uh, I've done things in my life that it, don't involve voting to reduce the power and scope of that government's impact on my life and others. And maybe you ha- have too. But we have to recognize that everybody on this planet is here for a reason, and their reason might be different than yours. It might align, in fact, with some of your beliefs and my beliefs, but they're going about it in a different way. Would I uh, disabuse them of the uh, desire, for instance, to go into government? I'd say, well, look, what do you think you can do if you get into government? With Jonathan Emord specifically, we had many top discussions off the air and on the air about that. He's not delusional delusional at all about what he can do. Some of it is just the impact and having a little bit of a bully pulpit to educate and inform and maybe even have influence in the sphere of influence because of his knowledge base with others that do love liberty and believe in the Constitution and want to see uh, some kind of, not resets the wrong word, but a reestablishment, if you will, of uh, limited government, constitutionally limited government, for instance. So... Uh, that's a, sh- a long answer to a short issue that I have sympathy with. It could be a much with. longer yeah. answer uh, yeah. because they, you know, it's it's a complex issue. Yes. Um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the situation that's wrong with government is not something we're. It's you're you're going to win battles, but you're not going to win the war. Does that make sense? Sure. The battles are what matter yeah. in, in a situation like that because you know the way the government is right now. In my opinion, it's it's just you know. We talked. We talked about when Ron Paul was running, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of great ideas. He did, and everything yeah. made sense that he said. You know, we just got to get rid of this, and we'll get rid of that, and we'll abolish this, and ban this, and blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was fun to listen to him talk about it because you knew in your heart, and you knew in your heart, and your head, in your head, that he was right. Mm-hmm. But the things he was saying at the same time, for me anyway, I was listening to it. I'm going, 
yeah, that, that sounds great. And it's refreshing to hear somebody say these things because nobody else will touch any of this stuff that mm -hmm. he's talking about. But at the same time, it's unrealistic. There's no way. There's no way that he, if he got elected president, he could go, okay, IRS, you're out of here. Right. Department of Energy, you're out of here. Yeah. None of that could actually The will happen. to do it is not there. But I, I would say that there has been transformation. But he pointed out the problem. That's the thing. Nobody's talking about that stuff, right? So you get somebody like a Jonathan E. Ward. You get somebody like an RFK Jr. or somebody in there, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, some people might have their head in the clouds about that situation. But we're not not us here on this on this show. We know that it's not like one person can go in there and everything's fixed and everything's mm -hmm. problem and all of the evil is gone, right? You know, abolish the evil. Yeah. Get Gandalf the Gray. You know, <laughs> shined his his. Staff, yeah, you no, know, we, and, and we all of the orcs went away. You know, way. we don't perceive that, it. That's way. not how it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. you know, in the meantime, it's the small battles, right? Yeah. You know, when when somebody comes up and they want to try and do something that we know is wrong, and if there's somebody in there that can stop that for now, we'll take that victory. Now, later on down the road, what is the solution to the problem? We've talked about this before. It's it's a it's a crappy prospect mm -hmm. that you know. Someday, I you know, it probably won't be in our lifetime. I hope it's not in my kid's lifetime because it's not going to be pretty. Um, you know, it's going to take a collapse of things. Well, and that's was Ron Paul's message. Look, you either do it now in an orderly fashion or it's going to be really butt ugly, as you point out. Uh, and the the ground of liberty is gained in, in inches, as we've heard uh, Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center say many, many times. And that's going historically back to our founders to recognize it isn't just a one massive victory. It's a little bit, little bit, little bit. The, gain, the ground is gained. Uh, so uh, how we do it, everybody has got their bliss to follow, so to speak, and their role to play. And, uh, you know, I'm not running for office. I'm not interested in it. But neither was Jonathan yeah. Emore until he just concluded that's where he has to go. And I support him because he's a man of great integrity. We're benefited by that. And there's not a detrimental impact for him being U.S. Senator. Does it solve everything? No, he knows that. It doesn't either. But he has to do what he feels is right to restore constitutional governance. And that's it. I'm going to support him in that. Uh, now, uh, we've got a few minutes left before we have to break yeah. here. And we have a short bonus round today if I'm still awake. So far, I'm hanging together here. It's okay. Uh, we have another comment of the day and a question of the day, I think, still to We'll do the question first. Question first? Okay. So Very simple. Uh, Nicole, is there anything to get rid of colon polyps? Well, they can go in and surgically remove them. Of course, I could snip them out of there. But the question is, why have they grown in the first place? And that's not answered by snipping them out, even if you might say that's something you want to do. Why are they growing? Why is abnormal tissue growing in the colon? I would argue, of course, nutrient deficiencies, toxicological burdens, uh, various different inflammatory cascades that are unresolved, and a lot of toxic poisons that are not being removed that are festering in the colon, creating inflammation and aberrant growth. One of the things I've talked about recently, a lot about, is the absence of copper and the excess of zinc. That creates a scenario where things can grow that don't normally grow out of a balance, out of the proper uh, growth and function, if you will. Zinc in the absence of copper just regenerates and generates things. Copper in there, it starts, uh, you know, managing that that aberrant growth. So I would think that the sovereign copper would play a role there. If you take it orally, certainly, uh, based on where you're talking about uh, the, the colorectal region, delivering things direct to point of foci, not a bad consideration. How else do we restore integrity to connective tissue, the various minerals we've discussed for many years, 
reducing the things that are causing inflammation. What else is happening? Glyphosate. You know, this is why I do the uh, um, the, the lozenges that I get from uh, Nutritional Frontiers, right? This is something that you can use the RSB 15 code on, get 15% off to counteract a lot of the glyphosate you may be exposed to inadvertently. Or if you're just, you don't care and you're eating food that's all soaked and desiccated in glyphosate, creating holes, punching holes in connective tissue in the gastrointestinal tract all the way down to the colon. So I would say uh, to some degree, uh, yeah, to some degree, I say to every degree, go organic. Stop putting toxic poisons that cause inflammatory cascades and defense mechanisms to always be on, always be inflamed. And uh, copper can cool that inflammation. Uh, circulatory events, of course, we want to enhance circulatory integrity. Copper plays a role with selenium uh, as well as uh, nitric oxide. The cardio miracle plays a huge role as well. Uh, if you want antioxidant activity to the, the level that's extraordinary, I come back to the Folium PX products, foliumpx.com, the Folium uh, product original and the Folium Immuno, Folium Relax. Go to foliumpx.com, use the code RSB10 to get 10% off uh, when you check out or just call them and they'll they'll get you plugged into that as well. Now, the comment of the day real quick, do I have time to read it? It's a cool one. Uh, it says, thank you for all, this is from Jim, thank you for all the life-affirming work that you continue to do so faithfully on the show. Years ago, I became a regular daily listener after seeing Robert at the Long Beach Health Freedom Expo in 2014. Through the show, I met luminaries like Liam Sheff and Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, to name just two, and I learned from them. You've helped me and my family have a free and inspired life. Now, after a long pause, I'm delighted to see your healing work continues and I'm watching your shows as much as I can on the Rumble platform. Keep on doing what you're doing. God bless you, Jim. Well, God bless you, Jim. Thank you so much for being here and supporting this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. If you can, share the show, brighteon.tv, once a week as well. In addition to sharing the show, become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We'll be back in the bonus round after this because the power to heal is yours. All right, we're back. It's the bonus round here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know, sometimes I think it's going to be a really sucky show because I'm so exhausted beyond belief. Dude, your it, energy it, level was consistent. It was great throughout the whole show. You weird. did that, do that naked gardening. It worked. <laughs> that helps. <Yeah. laughs> it worked. <laughs> Dude, I got the sun exposure. I was out there eating my raspberries and stuff. It was great. Uh, that helped. I tried to take a power nap right before airtime, and and I really didn't feel like I went all that deep, maybe 15, 20 minutes. That's that's uh, but, all you need, really. But anyway. On a, on a power nap, it'll give you a second wind if, so, if you hit it just right. We'll see if I need to do more of that this afternoon uh, before maybe hitting the stage later or not. I don't know. Uh, Donnie uh, Malkin, Podophyllum, 1M, and Bug Out helped me. I, I think she's referring to, are you referring to? Um, bug Out. Well, I don't know. You're referring to the uh, question on on polyps or something else? Because podophyllum does uh, address intestinal issues, uh, colorectal issues. So uh, I was thinking that might be a, a remedy that you found help with in that regard. So, all right, yeah. So, uh, Miss Chiff Manager, yes, who has dominated the uh, the chat room today? Domination. It's all usually it's Marge. I don't know well, where Marge, Marge is. Not here. Today. She's got a, uh, so, I think a family member that that's in the hospital. She told oh, me she gotcha. messaged me. Yeah, today. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, Miss Chiff Manager, um, mm -hmm. I'm getting a kind of a better idea. I think of of Miss Miss Chiff Manager's uh, perspective on things. She says, and I'm assuming mm -hmm. it's a she because it's a Miss. 
Okay. Uh, if any man is attracted to a position to put him in authority over any other man, yeah. he is weak and is giving in to temptation. Mm-hmm. It seems like mischief manager. Are you not then advocating for anarchy, basically? Well, and, you at know, what and, level? Do, I mean, are we talking specifically about just government, or are we talking about anything? Right? Any position of authority over another man, mm-hmm. um, because that sounds like chaos to me. Well, and you got to have some I, kind of, you know. I mean, whether you were talking about your boss at work or somebody who's a police officer or. Robert, I have Robert, you, you know, you, 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 you are oppressing me. Yeah, uh, I have a different you, perspective on anarchy. I, I believe anarchy is self-rule. It's not chaos, but it appears to be chaos. Well, there are when, different, different de- definitions yeah, of but, anarchy, sure. Yes, but I, but it, it appears to be anarchy in, in a negative sense in terms of chaos when people don't govern themselves accordingly. They don't follow the golden rule. They don't uh, recognize the common law. They don't recognize Richard Mayberry's two laws, do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or their property, for instance. Basic concepts that we would like to train our kids to, you know, don't kill people and don't take their stuff, don't break their stuff. Simple stuff. Right. And, and, and you know, because people Sounds don't like govern Sounds like kind them, of some libertarian principles. Though. Well, yeah, I believe so. And in the, the, the libertarian principle is what? It's the first do no harm principle. You know, it's a nonviolent way to go about living. But most people don't govern themselves accordingly, so therefore men set up government to try a, and limit the damage. In a very caused. U- utopian yeah. way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if everybody were libertarian, yeah, then uh, yeah. But you know, what about what about when when uh, somebody is not a libertarian? And they walk into that 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 situation, into that formula. Well, uh, in the common know. law, you have a, you know a right to defend your life, liberty, and property. And, uh, you know, what does that mean? Now, every year, the Porcupine Festival or the Pork Fest in New Hampshire sets up a libertarian village or city. And for the most part, things go pretty well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, is that proof of concept in a permanent sense? I don't know. But there'll always be people that will take advantage of freedom and don't recognize that their freedom ends where another's begins and that their rights end where another's begins. Uh, So this is where we get into the dilemma of self-governance versus having a community come together in agreement, individuals in a community say, hey, we're going to set these rules up for this you know, arena. And hopefully it's rooted in the common law. But with Jonathan Emort specifically, I will say that man does not want to go into the Senate to have power over anybody. He wants, he wants to, to go in, do his job and come back home. He wants to dismantle the, power, yeah. the centralized bureaucracy and go back to constitutionally limited government. So, you know, that I know personally, but uh, not everybody does. There are a few that do occasionally. They're they're the exception typically. Right. But I respect and appreciate the opinions coming through the Rumble Meister today or the Rumble Absolutely. Misses. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate those types of comments. Yeah, very much so. All right. <laughs> so what else we got? Uh, tomorrow um, on the show, do we have some guests scheduled? Yes, we do. Hold on. Okay. Tomorrow, I love you. I, I got. I'm looking at Justina Walker. Justina Walker. Okay. And Pastor uh, Rick Soto. Okay, so we do Pastor Rick Soto and Justina Walker. It looks like uh, Rick is at the Ranch Church, RanchChurch.com. We'll see what that's all about. Uh, I'm flying out uh, on Wednesday again 
Um, we're going to be interviewed apparently uh, by Jim Baker and the PTL group, whatever that is, uh, about nitric oxide. They're very much into natural health. So our friends, I just don't even know what the, uh, you, 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 you tell me you're going on the Jim Baker show PTL yeah. and I'm just like, cause I, you know, that was a thing growing up. Oh yeah. We remember those right? days, you know, Jim and Tammy Faye, right? Abs- absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of fascinated by that. Well, I'm definitely going to want to watch that. Jim is all in on health, natural health stuff. Remember, yeah. he got tagged right. big time during COVID for promoting a silver product. He had something called yeah. the Silver Solution. And yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the was it the FDA, FTC? He ran Both? a foul of FDA and FTC, yeah. yeah. And he learned the hard way, even if you're a religious organization, they don't take kindly to pharmaceutical competition. Uh, but uh, so anyway, we'll talk nitric oxide this week. Uh, and if, if those of you who can get the Branson, the taping will be on Thursday, the 27th. And I think tickets are free. You can reserve a table and be there with us for that. Uh, and uh, I interviewed a wonderful friend for many years in the natural products industry that we'll have, I think, on Wednesday's show. We'll, we'll air that interview as well. Carolyn uh, Burma. Burma, Yeah. Uh, she's from Natural Choices for Healthful Living in Columbus, Indiana. So that on Wednesday and something else. And then uh, we'll have Jonathan E. Mort on Thursday show scheduled per normal and whatever else bonus we can throw in there. And then I'll, I'll be back again live on Friday, uh, barring all the weather stuff that's going on in terms of delays and things. But the plan is be live in studio on Friday again and uh, carry on, my friend. There's a lot to say, a lot to do, a lot to interview, a lot to reveal. A lot to heal, in fact. So what else we got going on? Uh, let's see. I think that's it, unless we want to talk about what's happening in the middle of the week. I mean, you just did, basically. I just did. But, I kind of uh, laid it out, yeah. So we'll we'll have some, some new content on Wednesday's show. Mm-hmm. Probably do an encore on Thursday. Well, we'll have Jonathan Emord. We're, we're, well, uh, that's recording. true. So probably an hour. Yeah, a new hour on Wednesday. A, a new, new hour, hour on, on Thursday. Thursday. With a bonus uh, second hour on both yeah. those days. Yeah, And then back uh, live in studio on Friday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're here tomorrow. Okay. What else? What else? What else? Um, any other comments or questions coming through the chat, various chat rooms today? I appreciate y'all being with us. I think we've established that our next Zoom AMA for our patron supporters will be the uh, 31st of July, which is a Monday evening. I had that down as tentatively... Yeah, I don't think there's a reason to change it at this moment. Okay. I think we're good All right. there. We'll just keep it there and then. So Monday at, uh, let's see, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific? Correct, yes. The 31st of July. Okay, yes. that's Zoom. So you can become a patron supporter and join us live, or you can watch all of the Zoom AMAs that we have available to you on our patron page and many other bonus things that you can get. So I appreciate all the support that helps us so much, extraordinarily. In fact, uh, Super Don, you said one of your hard drives went bad. You're going to have to have it like forensically excommunicated or something. I don't know how they, what they call that. This guy right here. Yeah. I believe this is this is just a one terabyte drive. But this had a lot of the old stuff <laughs> from the old days on here. A lot of my production stuff and everything that mm-hmm. I... Captain took with including me. Jerry Doyle stuff and and uh, yeah you said Friday is the anniversary of his passing. Uh, it's Thursday. The Thursday, twenty seventh. Okay, it was. It'll be what it was two thousand sixteen. So that'll be what seven seven years. years. Yeah. Wow, man, that's yep, amazing. Yep, yep. Yeah. 
So anyway, yeah, I got to go see if I can. There's a place here locally that I, I've taken my computer to before, and they do data recovery. So hopefully they can get in there and recover the stuff. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, May they sucks, be computer but, miracle workers. I don't want to lose that. We had yeah. enough fun losing stuff because of YouTube. Nope. Why are we still banned on YouTube? I don't know. Although, I mean, you know, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Shh. Yeah. But we are actually kind of on YouTube. Um, really? Sort of. I have no idea. We have we we have a foot in the door. We do. I just haven't done anything with it, really. Okay. Um. So at some point, I might get brave because I mean, what have I got to lose at this point? Right. Um. And maybe we can do kind of like what uh, Russell Brand does. Oh, like an an. Yeah, one that doesn't offend YouTube for 15 right. minutes and then go so to Rumble. Right, so just like, hey, right. you know, here's what we're going to be talking about, yada, yada, whatever, like that, but, you know. Then cut the YouTube feed and move over just to Rumble, right? That's smart. Some, Something yeah. like that, along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm thinking, why not, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get banned from YouTube again. Right. You know, who cares? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, trying to think outside the box on a little bit more outreach. That's cool. Uh, I just uh, was noticing that uh, Taryn Gregson, who came to the RSB family union, she's just terrific. She's a heart of gold. And she interviewed me there. And one of the things that's going fairly viral is an interview she did with me on, you don't have to have a pediatrician. <gasps> yeah. Moms, dads, you don't have to take kids to pediatricians. I can see why that would be viral. And boy, I'll bet you, you guess, if you haven't yet, boy, mm -hmm. um, where's the hate mail coming from that one? Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm, I've been very outspoken. Are you trying? Are you trying to make it onto the, uh, the, the, di the disinformation dirty, the baker's dozen? dozen. Is yeah. that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I'm just jealous. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm speaking from the heart. Truthfully, I think this is an important subject to consider. That pediatricians don't have a special uh, direct line to God to, to help your kids. In fact, much of what pediatricians do in the well baby visits is to make your baby sick, and then measure Boy, the circumference of your head. And then, and then tell you that they're not growing well enough, put them on poison food. So I'm not impressed with pediatricians overall. And I recognize there's a place for, you know, pediatric surgeons. In now, what do you say to like the that, pediatrician but... who got into being a pediatrician because they care about children? Yeah. They want to help them. Kids yeah. get sick. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, you know, they have a good heart and they love, love kids and they, they want to help them out. Well, if they're poisoning them back to health, they're doing the opposite of what they signed on to do. Just drop the microphone. That... Yeah, I, I'm just going to okay. call it like it is. If you right. want to help kids, don't poison them. Don't inject them with toxic poisons. Stop it. Stop putting them on toxic food that's not food. Okay. Okay. Enough said. Then you got it. Then you're in. Right. Go to Trinity School of Natural Health and take some coursework in body, mind, spirit, medicine, and healing, if you will. And then come back and let's talk. All right. Well, that's yeah. all I've got. All right. Anything else on Rumble before we wrap it up? Oh, boy. Yes, there is. Let's see what we got. Ruh -roh. Yeah, it's really going. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it, so. Uh, yeah, more than we have time to get into here. But Miss Chiff um, Cliffhanger. See, I keep wanting to say Cliffhanger. Just Ms. say Chiff it. Manager. <laughs> Actually, we're going to have to leave this off as a cliffhanger. Okay, there you go. Uh, and and appreciate your contributions to the conversation, and we'll pick this up again another time. Okay. And, oh, by the way, these are shipping now. If you haven't ordered them, 
They've got the Sovereign Silver Healing Gel now in the tubes, which are really nice dispensers. And uh, appreciate that. Um, Super Don, I think I have a few for you. I sent you a care package of stuff. I don't think I had them yet. No. I sent that to you. you but you got send, a bunch of gels. You sent me some cool stuff here. And um, I, I am actually, I think, on the AMA coming up. It's been a while since I've given anything away. Yeah. You have something? Um, I'm, I am... Um, I'm pretty well stocked on the copper. Yeah. At this point, so I thought maybe I'd share the wealth here because you were so uh, generous uh, with me. Maybe I could give a couple of those copper those bottles. Two okay. ounce copper. This is the sovereign copper here that yeah. we love and use every day. That's cool. Uh, as well as uh, I think I have a Nutritional Frontiers T-shirt that we can give away. We we give away stuff to you for th thanking you for yes. and thanks to our sponsors to help us to do that uh, at the the Zoom AMA. So a lot of you have gotten more than you've given to us, and I'm not complaining about that. I'm grateful that we can do that. But please participate. It's so much fun. And Lori has been giving away T-shirts. Lori's in the chat room, uh, and. She still be giving one away if her power is back on. <laughs> I don't oh, know. well, I hope your power's on back on by by uh, the thirty first. The thirty first, because yeah. that's when we're doing the next day. That would suck. Yeah, no, I hope so. Yeah. All right, yeah. So. All right, good show today, dude. You uh, you stepped up. You really did, dude. I don't see how I'll do. So after now this. you're gonna go take a nap, right? I'm thinking of it. I've got to do some errands with my wife because I've been gone, and yes, okay. and then maybe take a rest as well. Uh, right. I, I think I've got to do a real quick recording. Uh, with G. Edward Griffin for the Red Pill Expo. Just a short thing, a promo. Let everybody know again, coming up in August in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. I hope to see you there. And I hope to see you tomorrow live on the Robert Scott Bell Show, less than 22 hours from now. Oh, now Marge shows up. Oh, hi, Marge. I hope everything's okay with your She wants to know when the number. AMA is. It's on the 31st. 31st, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Monday, it's a Monday evening this time. We did the Saturday this last month. It was technically July 1st, but we considered it the June one. Yep. So we got one coming up on the 31st. All right, dude. You've done your duty. Paid a fortune in dues. Obscure lyrics from a song we don't know. <laughs> that was a that was a stick song. Still got them Mother Nature's blues. Doo -doo 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 -doo. We're going to go see a Fleetwood Mac cover band here coming up in the near future. Fun. I told you yeah. that we got tickets for my, me and my kids to see Foreigner and the opening yeah. act is Loverboy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Reno. Yeah. You remember. Yep. All right. All go, right. go, go, go. Go forth and be fruitful or whatever you do. Go and pick some multiply. fruit. Yeah, if you want to multiply. Or subtract or add whatever you got <laughs> going on if you're mathematically inclined. Be like fruitful Superdome. first and then multiply. All right, guys and girls, boys and girls. I said that. Yes, two genders. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. See you tomorrow.